get it going. It's time to get up. I think you need to have a team where guys like Holglander can go run whoever he wants. That's why you need a guy like McEwen in there because you want your guys, especially your little guys, you want them to play big. These guys are here to break it all down. The Nashville Predators, they entered this, the day seventh in points percentage in the Central Division, and there's talk about what they're going to do. Word is, maybe only three untouchables. It's Bert Tuesday with the big man Todd Bertuzzi. This lining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski. And Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is a game day here in the city once again on this Tuesday, February 23rd. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning as the Canucks and Oilers get set to collide later on tonight. And we got you covered with the pregame show starting at 5, puck drop at 7 o'clock with Batch and Hershey here on Sportsnet 650. Star power? You want star power? We got star power here this morning, Pear. You know, you need consistency no matter what you're talking about. So we've decided we were going to go maybe make it Hall of Fame week. Or at least Hall of Fame back-to-backs. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this show. Maybe learning from what Kevin Bieksa said and so many people were into yesterday going, you need some toughness. I played bigger. <laughs> need some truculence. So we'll do exactly that. No shortage of power forwards today on this show. 7 o'clock is a Tuesday, which means that's when Todd Bertuzzi comes by. I don't think the big man can tell everybody to relax. He's used it before. I don't think that is the word that's going to get everyone calming down in this city. Bird at 7 o'clock, and then we will a teammate of his... Calgary and at the Olympics, Jerome McGinley, Hall of Famer, will join us. Jerome is going to make his way back eventually next year to Kelowna. Work at a hockey academy there, but he is one of those guys. I mean, when's the last time I heard of Jerome McGinley? It was a couple months ago when some reporter in the Boston area stops him and does a streeter going, hey, do you know how to drive in the snow? Has no idea that it's Jerome McGinley. You do. You know who Jerome McGinley is. We'll talk to Jerome McGinley as well. In a couple of minutes, Renel Laval of TFA is going to talk to us about what's going on in Montreal. You talk about uh, impatience and wondering what's going on with the Habs. We'll get into it there. And Quinn Phillips will join us from Edmonton as we'll break down what the Oilers are. And James, I would just say this. It's been fairly easy to predict the NHL. You know who's playing who? The trends have continued. Celebrate the shutout last night and celebrate the hmm. Didn't see that one coming on a couple of occasions, leading the way what Calgary did to a Red Hat Toronto Maple Leafs team. Yeah, who saw that one coming, right? Trying to figure out and how that kind of played out. And look who steps up, right? I mean, you've got good for him. You, well, it, it, you look at Matthew Kachuk had been called out. He had been underperforming. Sam Bennett wants a trade. He'd been kind of like, where's Sam Bennett? What's his future here with the organization? Jacob Markstrom's on the shelf temporarily where, hey, look, we kind of felt like this was going to go down at some point, right? Jacob Markstrom was going to need a reset. Don't overuse him. You spent a lot of money on your toy and you want to maximize it, but at some point you kind of have to turn off the console and let it rest. <laughs> and uh, and in this particular case, Marky sits and look, at they get the shutout with Big Save Dave. Matthew Kachuk scores, Sam Bennett scores, and at least for one night, the masses are calmed in Calgary. But it is crazy. Like, we talk about the struggles here, and rightly so because of the record for the Vancouver Canucks. But you look at where the Flames are at, you look at where the Habs are at, man, people are ready to scream murder. Like, they're talking firing the coach. Jeff Ward's been on the job for what, maybe a year? Like, he took over at the start, you know. 
the season had already started in 1920 when he replaced Bill Peters. They're already ready to punt on Jeff Ward. You know, Montreal obviously a whole different animal right now, but that's that's a big win against a team that was absolutely surging right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, you know, you talk about the window of opportunity and how long it is open. I think they have felt in Calgary it's been open for a couple of years. So to make the moves, to to step up with the money that they did, that's supposed to solve all problems. And as we talked to Eric Francis in Calgary last week, okay, hang on here. Did it mask the problems? Do you got something inside that locker room? Do you got to get rid of the Johnny Goudreau's? You mentioned like everybody's for sale in Nashville right now. You wondered at the same point, does Calgary just have that mix of players that don't have it in them, that just aren't there and there's no cohesion between them? For one night, they stop it. And for David Riddick, when you're a goalie and you think, ah, maybe I can be an NHLer, you have a couple of decent years. Last year wasn't there. And you see Markstrom come in. That's got to be tough on anybody's ego to get that opportunity. You know, when you found out Markstrom was hurt and you found out it wasn't going to be Frederick Anderson, everybody just, oh, bet the over. This one's 8-9. You know, it's going to be crazy. Uh, goals, goals, goals. And then you see how Riddick performed. Yeah, you feel good for one moment. Don't look at the standings if you're a Canucks fan because you didn't see any results you wanted. But there is the test. But it's one. Like, it's a one-off. Just like we saw with the strong performance for Canucks. You get that one-off, you need to get on a roll. I don't, I, I, I don't believe in Calgary. And I believe the issues are deeper than just the personnel. But for one night, they got a Toronto Maple Leaf team. And it can let people go, eh, maybe the Leafs uh, aren't going to be as tough as we think. I think that's a one-off for them, too. But uh, good for Calgary. And how about Marc-Andre Fleury? Wasn't he finished a couple years ago? Well, well okay, just quickly, the Leafs, just quickly, the Leafs are injured right now. Like, there's a lot of bodies yes. that are starting to pile pile up. But, you know, nevertheless, I mean, I, I took the money line for the Leafs in the over and, and was wrong on yeah, both accounts. Marc-Andre Fleury, man, you talk about turning back the clock, right? I mean, he's kind of become the number one in Vegas again. And at the same time, he's now two shutouts away from catching Patrick Waugh for most shutouts all time in NHL history. He's tied with Henrik Lundqvist now for 16th all time. But there's a remarkable turning back of the clock there. Well, you just thought there's no way that organization and, and Marc-Andre Fleury could survive after, you know, the agent and the dagger. And, yeah, there, he, he wasn't moved because of a contract. Uh, but, I, you know, his numbers, he tied Henrik Lundqvist last night for shutouts. It's a couple away from Patrick Waugh. I, I don't know if I just have never – I've never been a Marc-Andre Fleury guy. And, you know, sometimes when you win Stanley Cups and you look at the talent in front of you, you don't necessarily go to the goalie and look. But, but he has proven me wrong, and I think proven people around the NHL wrong. He's been phenomenal for Vegas and just keeps on rolling. And how many people would line up for his career? And he does it against a good Colorado team, and he makes some key saves against that Avalanche team. And – and now it's free donuts, as it always is in Vegas. Anytime there's a shout at you go to Krispy Kreme, buy 12, get 12 free. So the obesity issue continues in Vegas right now. Uh, three shutouts already for Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm -hmm. and, and giving himself options at the end of this season, right? You know, obviously Fleury's not long-term for Vegas when you've, when you've ultimately re-upped with Robin Leonard like they have for the next – they've got him for another four seasons beyond this. Fleury's got the one more year, so – you know, could Seattle be an option? I mean, when you look at the, the experience that Flurry has with an expansion team, uh, you know, it kind of checks a lot of boxes there. But Mark Andre Flurry, remarkable story. You know, Flames, uh, you know, put down the, uh, you know, calm the masses at least for one night. I mean, they're a 500 team, and people are screaming murder right there, uh, right now. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, it is game day against the Oilers, uh, an Oilers team that is uh, flying high right now, and. You know they've got a nice six-point cushion right now on the Vancouver Canucks in the standings. Here's, I'll tell you what: the last 24 hours, 
the focus of the conversation has been really what Kevin Bieksa said here on this show yesterday with the presence of the Zach attack, if you will. The most popular Zach in these parts since, well, Zach Morris from Bayside all those moons ago. But here's what Kevin Bieksa had to say on the presence of Zach McEwen and having somebody that can offer a physical presence to allow others to do what they can do. I think you need to have a team where guys like Hoaglander can go run whoever he wants, and there's no consequence. Like, you look at the Anaheim Ducks that won the Cup in 2007. Getzlav and Perry did whatever they wanted that year. Andy McDonald and Timu did whatever they wanted that year because they had all the tough guys behind them, and that's that's a little bit of, like, the philosophy of having a a bottom-heavy, tough team is is that your your guys, Pedersen can whack a guy if if he wants to, you know, like... JT Miller can can rough up some guy and not worry about having to deal with uh, Ryan Reeves or somebody that's a lot tougher than him. And, and that's why you need a guy like McEwen in there because you want your guys, especially your little guys, you want them to play big. So there's Kevin Bieksa and, 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 and alluding to something. I think a lot of people, when you connect the dots and say, yes, that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, it worked with Dave Semenko playing alongside Wayne Gretzky for all those years. And, and look, this isn't talking about going back to the days of having a goon, but to have somebody or to have some people in the lineup that can bring some accountability that can play, that can bang and crash. You look at the Washington Capitals pair, um, you know, with Tom Wilson, right? Like, there's a game changer, right? But he's he's more of a unicorn in the league. But the Vancouver Canucks, I will say this. Look, Jim Benning takes a lot of crap in this market. And you know what? A lot of it he wears and a lot of it he owns. But it's not for a lack of trying for the Vancouver Canucks, what they've tried to do to try to find that physical presence here in this lineup, right? You go back, look, Derek Dorsett they had. Right, His career had to end early because of neck issues. Michael Furlan was signed to try to fill that void. Concussions may send his career towards a similar path as Dorsett's. Antoine Roussel, guy was fearless out playing with the Dallas Stars. A total rat, but wasn't afraid to drop the gloves and throw down. You know what? His effectiveness has effectively been neutered with a knee injury. and you know He just hasn't been the same player since coming back no. from that injury, what, almost two years ago now, right? Is that just a case of too many hard miles? Jake Furtanen drafted to be a cl- uh, you know, the club's power forward. How has that worked out, right? You know, they tried to kick tires on Ryan Reeves but struck out a few summers ago. Like, the Benning regime has tried to address it, and they have ultimately bought themselves a case of lemons every time they've tried to find that sort of physical or tough element to the lineup. Is it Zach McEwen here long term? Maybe, but he's still got to prove that he's an everyday NHL regular. Well, he, here's my question, though. Um, yeah, he has to prove it, and he did. He, I loved the, not the physical presence of Zach McEwen last year down the stretch drive in the regular season. I just loved the energy. He was noticeable. I go back, I can remember, you know, you used to have the Brendan Gaunts coming in and and, and uh, Reed Boucher's coming in, and you, you talk to them and go, you know, it's it, it's really tough to, to be noticeable when you only get six or seven minutes. But that's your job. That's your job if you're going to be a bottom six to somehow be noticeable. And for the most part, I think Zach McEwen has. You mentioned Ryan Reeves. He was on a podcast with our friend Shane O'Brien, who joins the Reach Deep, Deep Boys every Wednesday. Ryan Reeves was talking about, man, he was not a fighter. When he played junior hockey, that was not his thing. He just learned that it was going to be what he had to do wasn't that confident, and he could do it, has a couple NHL fights, and goes, oh, maybe I'm not that bad at this, granted the size. Zach McEwen's the same. 
I don't think he planned on being an NHL fighter. He has good hands, shows it sometimes. But, hey, if I'm going to stick around the league, this is where I'm going to be. But how many times do we get texts going, what are the bottom six offering you? The odd time you're getting Tyler Mott, he's hurt, but when he's well, he can, he can show you some scoring. Sutter gets one the other night. You know, he's in and out, but Jay Beagle, not so much. Anton Roussel, like at some point, if Chase Harrelock is healthy, it's time for Anton Roussel to watch because he's almost gotten a free pass because of that injury. That's another contract that's really his hamstringer for what he's offered. But Zach McEwen can give that to you. If you just put him in the lineup and you're getting five minutes, he's got to be more confident after yesterday. But as Bexa said, just put it in the lineup. To know if he's only going to have five minutes, that's fine. If there are some issues on the ice, put him out there. And he's not a detriment. He can play the game. Put him out there. It almost seems like it's so simple. Travis Green just moved away from it. And that can be a difference maker. Ryan Reeves said, two toughest guys, number two and three in the NHL, are always my wingers because they've got me. Zach McHugh may not be there yet. But you wanted someone like that. You've developed someone like that. Maybe it's not the role he initially came in for. But if he can do it, then put him in the lineup every night. But are you convinced that he's an everyday regular? Well, you know, guess what? I don't think Tom Wilson was in a regular situation. No, but but, but what? Like, but, but he's like, but Zach McEwen. But like, what do they have? But, but, but what but, they but have in the out. lineup? But, yes. but he he stood up. But he stood up and made a lot of people around the league take note of what he did on the ice in that throwdown with Derek Forbort, right? Like now, I think a lot of people would have watched that. A lot of players around the league would have sat up to take note of that. Like, wow, that that was some heavy hands that he just showed and some accountability, right? But uh, what what do you see different than what Travis Green sees to where he'll play him six minutes a night or only play him half the season, right? They played 22 games. Zach McEwen's played 12 of them, right? So what do you see that's different than I what can, the coaching okay. staff? So let's let's use these names as to who Zach McEwen is battling against. You know, let's say he can play both wings. So Roussel, Louis Erickson, Jake Furtanen. You give me those three guys, throw McEwen in there so you've got four to pick from, I think I'm going to get more from Zach McEwen in five or six minutes than any of those other guys, right? I just think he offers, if he doesn't score, as those guys aren't. If he's, he'll hit as much as those guys will might not be as defensively reliable as a Roussel. You know, can't kill penalties, so you lose that with Louis Erickson. But I think he has more of an intangible on this team to help out this group. Of those four guys, James, which one of them do you think might be here in two years? Jake, Antoine, or Louis? None of them. Zach's the guy. So play hockey. Let him play some hockey. Financially. But he's got to be consistently effective then. He hasn't shown that he is consistently effective yet. And until then... He's going to be in and out. Like, if he can be noticeable every time, then so be it. But I would say this, after the fight, after the fight with Forbert, which, hey, look, that was an essential part of the game, I think, to kind of kickstart the team. But at the same time, what did he do after that? I don't know if you can yeah. point out a play that he did. I anyway, hold how that many, thought. How many, ti- how many okay. times do we talk about uh, what Roussel did on the night and what okay. Jake did on the okay. night? Okay, let's park that thought. Story. We'll get to more of it. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. But uh, let's head to Montreal this morning as, uh, you know what? It's nice to know that other people have the sky falling in their parts of town, right? Calgary, <laughs> even in Montreal this morning. Renaud Lavoie, our friend from TBA Sports, joins us this morning. Bonjour, Renaud. Is the sky falling in Montreal as well here? Well, I'm right now in Ottawa because the Canadians are playing Ottawa tonight. But uh, listen, uh, it's it's tough right now. Let's be honest. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people wondering if Claude Julien is going to uh, uh, 
you know, survive what's going on right now uh, with his team. So we'll see how uh, it's going to turn out. But why why people are talking maybe a little more about a coaching change, I think, is uh, uh, in a way understandable because the, uh, you know, the goals of this team this year is not only to make the playoffs, like uh, Paul Julien said and Mark Bergevin said before the start of the season, it was to do some uh, damages. Uh, and as of right now, since the last uh, three weeks, uh, you know, the, the Canes are their worst enemy. So we'll see how it's going to turn out. I don't believe that Claude Julien will, will lose his job, to be honest with you. I believe that the Canadians are going to play a, a great game tonight in Ottawa. Uh, it's just a question right now of finding a way of uh, win games. And uh, they're, 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 like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're their worst en- enemy right now. And that's, uh, that's the, the biggest problem. Renault, it's shocking for people here listening to you because our memories of the Montreal Canadiens are kind of yeah. nightmares because they did everything against the Vancouver Canucks. Where, where did they lose the plot here? Where, where did it go wrong for them to actually even have these rumors and yeah. or conversations? Yeah, you know what? The, the big problem with this team, which is unique, is they're playing really well on the road, but they're not good at home. Uh, they only have three wins at home. They lost their last four games at home. Um, and that's exactly where it started. Um, you know, they, they lost a game versus the Calgary Flames on a Saturday night. They couldn't score a goal. And after that, uh, it was the beginning of a long uh, slide, uh, I should say. Even if they won the next game versus uh, the Flames, it didn't matter. After that, it was really complicated. Couldn't w- it couldn't win versus the uh, Ottawa Senators at home. They struggled to beat the Senators on the road after that uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And si- since then, it's, it's not the same team. Um, and, and Shea Weber, I mean, the way he put it yesterday was just great. He said, uh, there's too many negative energy around us uh, and inside the dressing room, obviously, with uh, uh, the number of uh, loss in the last few weeks and the way the team is playing. So, they, they, they need to find a way. Claude Julien said, you know what, we need to approach tonight's game with a better attitude. That's exactly it. It's a mental thing, to be honest with you. It's not because that team is suddenly a bad team. It's only mental. All the mental mistakes that they're making, uh, it's not because uh, Josh Anderson is giving away the puck in overtime that Josh Anderson is not a good player. He just had a bad moment uh, because I guess he was in a bad spot. Uh, Renault Lavoie with us here on Sportsnet 650. Some people would argue with you look at with Montreal up front, you've got a lot of guys who can score, but there's not yeah. necessarily an alpha dog, that sort of franchise exactly. cornerstone offensive guy. Do you, do you believe that that's a problematic area? I always thought that looking at that roster, it would be, hey, you know what, there'll be somebody who can pick up the scoring if somebody goes cold, but maybe it hasn't exactly been the case the last week or so. But, Renault, yeah. how, how do you view that? Well, you know what? You're right. Okay. Um, but that being said, I believe that they have three good lines. The problem is, yeah. and this is made the biggest problem, I think, of that team. If you look at the, the center line, I mean, there's not a lot of players with tons of experience at the exception of Philip Deneau. Um, you, you have players that are starting in the NHL or there are, are, are their second year. Jesper Kotkaniemi, it's his third year in the NHL. Uh, but he's only 20. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. it, it, and that, that for me is the bigger issue. 
it's uh, offensively for your your sentiment is probably the captain of the line, right? He's going to dictate the way uh, the line is playing. And in the case of Jesper Kotkaniemi right now, he had a great start, but uh, his game is fading away. Why? Game is fading away because it's really tight out there right now. Teams knows that if you're around him, he can't. It's really tough for him to do plays. Um, he, he's got to. I know it's going to be hard to hear or hard, but I don't want to be uh, too harsh here. But he's got a kind of a tunnel vision when the the, the game is tighter. So he, he needs he needs to play uh, the right way. He needs to uh, find his groove. No doubt about that. But if if your third line is not working because your centerman is having big issues right now. That's for me is the biggest problem of that 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 team, uh, because yes, they're supposed to have three good lines. In reality, they have two, and they have a good fourth fourth line. That's that's something that Mark Bergevin at one point will have to correct. He will have to get another sentiment. Obviously, this year is complicated. You trade for a player in the U.S. You know how it is. He's gonna miss uh, two weeks because of quarantine. You're gonna ask him to play uh, uh, for two games uh, when he's gonna uh, in the first week when he's gonna come back. It's going to be like Pierre Luc Dubois is gonna blow his uh, his groin and he'll be out for another uh, seven days to uh, seven to ten days. So yeah. it's it's really complicated. So that's why I I don't believe that help is coming soon. Do you think uh, part of it is expectations? I mean, before the season starts, everybody thinks their local hockey club is is maybe the best. They're gonna win the North. They're gonna compete. Everyone kind of took the wait and see with the Canadians so many changes, but if and when they get some chemistry, yeah. they'll be great. They came out of the gate so good, Renault. Is that yeah. part of it that all of a sudden it was, all right, Stanley Cup or bust. Here we go, 1993. <laughs> uh, listen, you're, you're right in a way. It, it, it's, they, they, they like the team. I think the biggest, uh, what, what's really hurting them right now is their start. Because I think I, I mentioned it a few times before the start of the season that I was a little scared with the start of the Montreal Canadiens season because they were, first of all, playing on the road. But not only that, they, they had only, like everybody else, only eight days of training camps on the ice. That's not enough. And I, I imagine that before, uh, you know, that team gelled together, it will, it will probably take at least two to th three weeks it took only five minutes, but that's the problem. So suddenly, first of all, you're putting the, your standards really high. Second of all, you, from the uh, you know the way you start from the get go is it's just unbelievable. And after that, when things are getting a little tighter uh, on the ice, you 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 don't react the right the right way. That's what it is. And now they're try, trying to to find a way to get back to where they were uh, a month ago. That's not a, a month ago is, is gone. Nobody's playing like a month ago in the NHL. Before it was a freestyle type of hockey. I, I, at one point I was at the Bell Center. I was with one of my uh, colleague and I said, it looks like a junior hockey game. Nobody's touching anybody. Everybody's just skating around, do their things. That's not, that's not the NHL. And that's not today's NHL. Mm -hmm. So they, they need to forget about the past. They need to find a new way to win games. That's what it is. And in my mind, they need to be 
more physical. They need to be more involved. That's what they did in Toronto, uh, not this Saturday, but last Saturday. Uh, they, they did that in the, Toronto, uh, and they finally find a way to win that game. I think that's the way the Montreal Canadiens are going to be successful, is to be really tough to play against. And as of right now, it's not. Well, Renault, if, if you want to share with uh, a lot of people in the province of Quebec and to Habs fans, if they would prefer to have the Vancouver Canucks roster right now, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Vancouver Canucks fans would happily take this Montreal Canadiens well, squad over right now. You know At what? least this season, anyway. Yeah, you know what? There's issues everywhere, right? It, it, yes. You, you, yeah, and, and it doesn't mean that the Canucks are not going to make the playoffs, by the way, because suddenly they, they, they have to take advantage of what's in front of them. And I think, I, I think there's still a lot of hockey to be played. By the way, a month ago, everybody was saying that, you know, or two weeks ago, everybody was saying that it, it was a done deal that Montreal will be a playoff team. It's, it's impossible to say right now. Same as Vancouver, maybe two weeks ago, everybody was saying they're, they're gone. They play too much game and they're, they're not going to make the playoffs probably, but there's still some time. And if they start winning games, you never know. It, it just needs a, it, you need a spark. That's what you need. You need to find a way. And the Canucks, has not a, they, they're not as bad as, as the standing is showing right now. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing. They're, uh, you know what? They played much, much better the last couple of weeks. They just haven't had the results to show for it. Renault, always, always, always a pleasure. You behave, Thanks, in, uh, you, you behave in Ottawa, all right? Uh, no problem. I, I will, I promise. Okay. Thank you, guys. Take care. There, there he is. Renault Lavoie from TVA Sports uh, joining us on uh, the Ales of the Montreal Canadiens. Look, they've lost four of their last five. I'm still a believer in the Habs. You know, this is a team. This is a team to me that is more built for the playoffs than it is for the regular season. Obviously, you've got some of these young guys, and and there's some of the immaturity that's impacting the club right now. When when you look up front, but at the same time, pair, I, I'm still a believer in the Montreal Canadiens. They'll be in the playoff mix one way, shape, or form. They may not win the division like I predicted, but they'll be a playoff team in the North. Well, he makes a good point about pond hockey. I mean, just think about the goals and what the Habs did against, especially in that homestand here against the Canucks. It was terrible defensive hockey from the Canucks. The Habs are putting everything behind the net. And now you got to work a little bit harder. So the younger guys are going, there's no space. It's more difficult. I love the fact that he believes there could be some positivity with the Canucks. I'm not sure about that, but... You know what, uh, Renault is, is close to hockey, he understands it, but can you imagine Claude Julian already been, oh, okay, if you don't win some hockey games, it's time to make the move. It's the panic and it's the beauty of everyone watching every Canadian team as closely as we are. Like normally if you're Habs fans, you know what's going on, but everybody knows what's happening in Winnipeg. We know what's going on with the Oilers tonight. Um, as much as you might go, that'd be nice to see someone different. It is unique to see all the Canadian teams and as closely and under the microscope as they are here in Canada. 27 minutes after 6 o'clock, uh, Todd Bertuzzi will join us just after 7. A lot of people jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, uh, weighing in with their thoughts of uh, what ails the Canucks or what they would like to see from a roster standpoint here going forward. We'll jump into that. And stupid is as stupid does. The Mariners, now former president, lives up to Forrest Gump's philosophy. We'll get to that next with Seaball Says right here on your game day. It's the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 
right, 6.33, James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. A mix of sun and cloud on the forecast, again with a chance of showers this morning and a high of 9 degrees. Now, what was it that Forrest Gump once said? Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Ah, uh, yes. Kevin Mather, the now former president of the Seattle Mariners, put that to the test earlier this month when he got a little too casual with members of the Rotary Club over a breakfast in Bellevue, Washington. Now, where to begin with his stupidity? Was it the offensive nature and supposed inconvenience of having non-English-speaking players on the roster? Or perhaps his brazen comments about openly keeping prospects in the minors to maximize their service time and also jeopardizing an already fractured relationship between Major League Baseball and its Players Association. Now, if you guess all the above, you are correct. Thank you. Uh, Mather effectively resigned yesterday immediately on Monday, but the damage has been done. He may have simply been trying to be a little too candid to his audience and members of the club's fan base, the Rotary Club of all people. But in 2021, which company will openly admit to the inconvenience of paying for an interpreter on an employee that you potentially got millions invested in, right? The idea of sprinkling a little racism into your breakfast with your fan base. That would almost be as foolish as an elected leader fleeing to a warm destination while members of his community are in the middle of a winter emergency. Oh, wait. That happened. But in all seriousness, who thought it was a good idea to share these thoughts on a live mic about Hisashi Iwakuma? I'm tired of paying his interpreter. Because when he was a player, you know, we pay Iwakuma X, but we also had to pay $75,000 a year to have an interpreter with him. Um, his English suddenly got better. His English got better when we told him that. Seattle is an international city. Major companies set up shop there with global talent. Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks, global brands, just to name a few. This isn't the way to attract fans by painting those who have English as a second language. And then there's the issue of service time. It came up surrounding prospect Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez has got a personality bigger than all of you combined. He is, uh, he is loud. He is, uh, his English is not tremendous, uh, but he, uh, him and Kellenek are very good friends. He's a year behind Kellenek. He will probably be here in, tw- everybody says 2021. He won't be here till 2022 or 2023. Yikes. Do teams do this to manipulate service time all the time? It totally happens. Chris Bryant of the Cubs challenged the issue around his own time served in an attempt to become a free agent after six years of service time last year. And guess what? Chicago didn't lose. The Jays clearly did the same thing with Vladdy Jr., but they just weren't silly enough to openly admit to it. Stupid is stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess Mather also tossed a long-serving veteran under the bus, too, calling third baseman Kyle Seeger overpaid and suggested that this is probably the 33-year-old's last year. It then prompted Seeger's wife to ask on social media whether the family should put their Seattle house up for sale now or down the line. Thanks. 
Mather deserved to go. His resignation was the least he could do. That's no leader. It's one thing to try to be open and honest. It's quite another to kick a leader, ridicule those who speak a different language in a global sport, and pour gasoline on an already simmering feud between the players and owners. But where this goes with the players now, now that is a move worth watching. And that's this morning's Seaball Says. So much on the videotape. This was also a guy that in 2018 uh, had allegations of harassment made by two former female employees. Uh, they settled that issue, and there were claims that dated back to the late 2000s. So the record is definitely spotty. But, James, you and I have spent a lot of time where we're asked to MC and speak in front of rooms, and it's the old read the room. Right, and if you go in and there's a 1,000 people at the Shaw Convention Center, you're going, okay, let me see the script. Where am I going? And when I'm going off script, what can I say? How careful must I be? It's a code of conduct we've always had in our contracts, whether we're on TV or on the radio. To him to come in front of a Rotary Club, and I spoke to Rotary Clubs, laid back, man, you're having breakfast. Everything's good. Good old boys. And to talk like that, I'm always amazed at, at where and how he has achieved the heights that he has, if that's the way he speaks. We've seen it in sports now with microphones and in the heat of battle. Players go, oh, no, that's not me. Well, no, if you have that language in your arsenal, then that is you. Justin Thomas, a couple of months ago, that's not what I represent. Well, no, you said it, so it's obviously something you think of. But what a joke, and he just took shots at absolutely everybody in a game and representing a city that is so diverse like Seattle. Did the right thing, but I'm shocked, and you've got to think there were some businessmen in attendance there that listened and quietly were doing the silent. I can't believe he's saying this. I can't believe he's saying this. Good on him. He's gone. Change it up. And to your point, very interesting how the Players Association looks at what people knew was going on and now have the audio evidence. Yeah, this is how executives well yeah you've got you've got your smoking gun right and and you know what we've talked a lot i think from a societal standpoint over the last year about white privilege right and understanding what that means when you are the president of a ball club and you're complaining spending seventy five thousand dollars on an interpreter for a player that you're spending millions of dollars on does that not speak to the definition right there of white privilege? Going, ugh, have to pay for an interpreter for this guy. Come on. Seriously? Yeah, it, it, it made – it was shocking to read it, and maybe we're finding out that how many people just are – wow, how did he get there? The only positive you can find from is how quickly he'll get out of the office. We don't want you here. But Major League Baseball right around standing up and players going, yep, happened to me, no hope. You know, what you're saying, and a lot of people in on the Zach McEwen, does he, does he deserve the ice time or not? At least in hockey, it's fair. If you have the ability, you're going to get that opportunity. But we've known for a long time. In baseball, it's not fair. You could be that young stud player, and they are going to look at it to save some money and decide, okay, now you're ready to play in Major League Baseball. Even though you might have been two years ago and you believe you were, uh, now we'll say it's okay, open up the doors, open up the gate, welcome to the major leagues. That's got to be frustrating. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, going back, uh, a lot of people jumping in on uh, the Zach McEwen thought um, 
And uh, as, as Chris and Duncan, as much as it is disappointing to see Roussel on the ice for 5v5, he is good on the penalty kill where uh, Big Mac cannot do that yet. Uh, that's Chris and Duncan. You know, I, I, how, how much more effective would Zach McEwen be if he was a regular in the penalty kill unit? Right, like that's something you'd love to see the evolution of that player, right? And and at some point, like you're gonna have to, you're cutting bait on Jay Beagle, you're cutting bait on Brandon Sutter, you're cutting bait on Antoine Roussel. Like your special teams is going to have to be completely revamped in a year and a half from now, right? I mean, Sutter's gone at the end of this year, but you know, I, you know, Beagle's not coming back, Roussel's not coming back in the summer of 2022, right? Like this special no, teams I, unit I, is going to change over in a big way. Yeah, and I, I don't think Zach McEwen, that's his issue, is turning. But Adam Gaudet's someone who's been talked about. But, you know, where are they finding us? Here's what's surprising. is a Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question. Um, and get on it and make the vote. We, we simply asked you, do you think this Canucks hockey team needs more speed? Or do you think they need toughness? Well, now, if you were to answer this at about 10 o'clock tonight after the Oilers are in town, you might be going with speed. But I thought in light of McEwen and the conversation, what Kevin Bieksa said and how it kind of got rolling yesterday in, in the social media world, but still, 66% of the people say that this Canucks team is not fast enough. They aren't. And they're not fast enough, and they, they don't need the toughness. It's kind of throws in the light of what BX You want both. You know, you only need one spot to be tough. And I think the point we're making is, if you're not getting a whole lot from your bottom six, and you can go uh, maybe Jake, maybe Roussel, maybe Louis Erickson, and Zach is an option that they don't bring, and none of them bring his toughness, make that one switch. But I'm surprised that more people want more speed on this team. Well, I know. I think this team gets exposed uh, for foot speed still from time to time out there, right? It, it still happens and on, a, on a regular basis to, at that. I mean, who who out there that you look at on this roster that you say, man, that, that he's a burner or a guy who's moving like a buzzsaw? I, I, Tyler Mott is always noticeable out there when healthy. You know, Niels Hoaglander so far in a small sample yep. size has certainly looked very noticeable from a foot speed standpoint. Outside of that, you know, you could say JT Miller can skate. Petey, at, you know, it, it spurts. The, it seems to have another gear. But then there's also where do you times want that. that sp- yeah. yeah, where do you want that speed on the blue line? I mean, Nate Schmidt can move. Quinn Hughes can move. Olio Levy can move. I think you can always use more. I see your point. You don't but look the, at but Horvath do, but as you, a great... You put your Levy in that conversation? I don't think so. I don't think you put I like Olio Levy skates. I like how Ole Levy skates. I'm not. I'm not concerned about you know the way he turns is a little slow. But I would add if you're adding one piece, I would add toughness before speed. And the fact is, you don't have to add. You just have to take him out of the press box. And I, I'm not. I'm not confident Zach McEwen's in the lineup tonight. Mm-hmm. Should be, as Kevin BX has said, that guy's got to be in the lineup every night. But who knows? Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, keep it coming. Uh, Big Mac over uh, Jake all day. Uh, Big Mac's Corsi uh, significantly better than Jake's. Um, you know what you get with uh, McEwen. Same age. One's a mid first round bust uh, versus an undrafted free agent. Lack of desire and work ethic versus someone who has clawed and worked to get to the NHL. There's definitely much more of a blue collar uh, element to Zach McEwen with comparatively to Jake Vertanen. Uh, Todd Bertuzzi will weigh in on this coming up uh, just after 7 o'clock. What do we got coming up in a moment with the little P.S. there, Pear? Oh, man, you can scratch everybody. You think troubles in Montreal, troubles in Vancouver. We'll let you in on Buffalo. And who might be playing the role of David Ayers in the soon-to-be Disney movie? Give me those details straight ahead on a game day. The official home of the Vancouver Canucks. We are Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Ayers! 
finding stories that matter. Sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS. Just P.S. With Perry Solkowski. Man, uh, not BS that it's a struggle for the Canucks, but guess what? You want to feel good about yourself, look across to our expansion brother from 1970. What a night, what a day in Buffalo. You know, 17 players have a bigger cap hit than Jeff Skinner. Only 17 in the entire league. And last night, the Buffalo Sabres parked his butt. His $9 million, a healthy scratch. I'm not asking you the tens of 20, 30 million dollars. I'm just asking you for a little bit of help. Just get me a little bit closer and I will get you that championship team. No, that's not a tape from a Buffalo Sabres uh, GM owner meeting. You got 9 million Skinner. You got Jack Eichel, who was called out after yet another loss yesterday, making his 10 million. You know, and the fact is, those guys are tied up for a long time. Skinner, the next five years going. He got that 40 goal year, had a couple good years in Carolina. That signing James at the time shook people going, really? You're giving them that kind of money? And now they're paying the price. Things are a mess in Buffalo. You know, the Canucks were interested uh, in Jeff Skinner going back a few years ago, right? Price was Um, too high. Great, but great skater. Um, Man, I'm I'm a Jeff Skinner fan. I I didn't think he would fall off a cliff quite like this. I don't think anybody would have predicted anything to go that dramatic. Um, But, man, it has not been good ever since he got signed, sealed, and delivered. And he's never struck me as the type of player that just would get complacent after signing a deal quite like that crazy though but all bets are off this year man like adam henrique just got placed on waivers the other day uh, you know the, the thing with skinner his, his point production is terrible his five on five numbers aren't bad but you know it's there's a big big issue in buffalo and i don't know how quickly they're going to be able to fix it people are going to want out hey p.s the david Zamboni anniversary was one year yesterday one of the greatest moments that we've seen in the nhl in a long time books could be written about what's happened here tonight how good does this feel? Get it in the gloves. Horn goes. Celebration begins. What a moment. They didn't even know him at the start of the night. And at the end of the night, he's one of them. Jimmy Houston was a little off with books can be written. How about movies, Jim? Ayers has, uh, hasn't played for a while. He played actually in the summertime with some of the pros. Just be a goalie as they're training and hurt himself. So he hasn't played. But he had up to 24 movies off, movie offers about his story. James Gordon is the guy who talked to him the most, the talk show host. His next-door neighbors from Disney, Amnaf, all the offers, they've gone with Disney. Obviously, with COVID, everything has slowed down. Names, James, that they've talked about playing airs, Ryan Reynolds of Vancouver. Marky Mark's name has been out here. And didn't we just talk about this guy last week in your best sports movies? Keanu Reeves who's Canadian, and actually plays goal in a rec league, might be the obvious. That actually could kind of fit, right? You want somebody somebody who looks like David Ayers, man, does not, like he looks like a beer league goalie, right? Looks like a Zamboni driver. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You want want somebody who kind of reflects that. You know, Marky Mark, Ryan Reynolds is Reynolds is not your guy. Yeah, Yeah. you can't be that handsome. Keanu's almost 60. It works there. Yeah, uh, looking for a nice place to get your eSport fix. He scores! Rob Besser steps up big time. 
I looked, I looked long and hard, my friend, to find that call from you. I was like, really? Can I not find 20 seconds of you? I hear you all over the place. Uh, hey, Toronto might be spending a half billion dollars on an active media theater. It's going to be a 7,000-seat theater style. It's going to be the venue. It's going to be a hotel complex. They're going to lead the way. Man, I know you're into it as the voice of EA in the NHL, but you think, wow, okay, so it used to be arenas, casino attached, and now it's, hmm, how about a theater for esports? and the hotel complex attached to it. Trying to get it done in, Cor- in Toronto in the next couple of years. Why not, man? Why not? You put the money into it. Like you Think about it. There's a generation of kids that just sit there and have watched for how many years now people just playing, whether now there's all Twitch streaming accounts and all of that. But, man, for the longest time, how many people had kids that just watched people playing Minecraft on YouTube for years, right? There's well, going to be a generation of people that grew up watching esports and there will be a generation of kids that are ready to put some serious money down on people and esports. Yeah, you know what's coming is is and it's happening in the states right now. Gambling on esports, then you're accepted by everybody. And finally, I mean, things have gone too far with the old gender reveal parties. Father was killed on the weekend. Why? Because he was setting up for the gender reveal party that was going to happen, and the explosive device that he needed for the party blew up. He was killed. His brother seriously hurt. Three people have died in the last year in the States because they've been prepping or involved in a gender reveal party. Man, did you have a boy or a girl? Oh, it's a boy. Don't need a party. Take a phone call or a text when you become a father. That simple. Save lives. No BS, just PS. Yeah, or, or you could just simply wait until the baby's born to find out. Isn't that right? old school, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, how are people so determined to find out? I, I need to know. I need to know. Come yeah. on. What are you building? Oh, we're going to have a gender reveal party. It's crazy. Just going to this drugstore to get more more gas, and this is going to be unbelievable. Makes no sense. What are some of the stories in America the last week, though, right? I mean, obviously, that's a, like that's a sad story, right? You know, a, a, a a fail like that gone wrong. But then there's also a story that a couple of women in Florida that disguise, tried to disguise themselves yes. as grandmothers to get a vaccine shot. Like, oh, man. Don't America. stop, America. Don't stop. America. <laughs> uh, Todd Bertuzzi joins the conversation next. We're going to America. We'll check in with Big Bert next. It is game day as the Canucks and the Oilers collide later tonight right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. I think you need to have a team where guys like Holglander can go run whoever he wants. That's why you need a guy like McEwen in there because you want your guys, especially your little guys, you want them to play big. These guys are here to break it all down. The Nashville Predators, they entered the day seventh in points percentage in the Central Division, and there's talk about what they're going to do. Word is, maybe only three untouchables. It's Burt Tuesday with the big man Todd Bertuzzi. This lining already this early in the morning for me is already getting me in a bad mood. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski. And Perry Solkowski. It is game day, three minutes after seven o'clock. Mix of sun and cloud in the forecast, high at nine degrees on this Tuesday, February 23rd. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, ready to kick it with you until nine o'clock. Todd Bertuzzi will join us in just a little bit as the Oilers roll into town and 
Man, this isn't the same Oilers team that we saw at the start of the season, Parrot. This is a, an Oilers team that is now clicking on all cylinders. I guess it's maybe that Oilers team that we saw on the second night of the regular season, uh, the one that we saw Connor McDavid explode for the hat trick. And that's kind of the one we last left off with with the Edmonton Oilers a couple of nights ago. How do you try to contain the NHL's nuclear weapon? Well, hopefully you, you look and see what the Calgary Flames did going in to take on a Leafs team, albeit banged up Leafs team, and go, okay, they pulled it off. Can I just mention two things that we heard there? A, Elliot talking about Nashville, maybe three players uh, are, are, are not available. Well, there's a lot of players with bad contracts there. And how about Chris Wall talking about Jeff Ward saying, uh, and it's, it's the new world we live in, right, when you don't have to disclose, like unfit to play is good enough, that Jacob Markstrom is day-to-day for a while, right? So there you go. How long is Jacob Markstrom missing? I get the feeling in the sense, and, and Texas at 6.50, 6.50, um, although you have hope in your hockey team that with Edmonton rolling as they are, getting depth scoring as they are, and the Canucks still trying to figure it out, that there's almost a sense of, I, I don't expect much tonight. I don't expect much from our team tonight. That may be the best way to go into it because you know the guy's putting on the skates. They expect to win and get on a roll. They've told us they're working hard to try and get it done and need some luck. But it'll be curious to see this measuring stick because they're both different hockey teams from when they first started the year. Uh, Oilers have won eight of the last ten, right? Yep. And, and this and this is a team. And this is a team. Like when you look at what they've done, like they've kind of taken care of business and regulation. You kind of know what you're going to get with the Oilers. There's no, there's no bonus time. There's not. A, there's no loser points. They're twelve and eight on the year, but eight of those wins coming in the last ten games. You know, the team that kind of stuck in the mud to start the season and all that sort of ah, the Oilers and the Oilers. Hey, look, are, are there flaws? We talk, Look, we just spent the last hour, we've talked about the flaws in the Calgary Flames. We have spent the last, what, six weeks talking about the flaws of the Vancouver Canucks. There are flaws involving the Montreal Canadiens and all of a sudden concerns about, hey, whether Claude Julien's going to stick or go. And, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, you know, they're far from perfect, right? That back end is a bit of a work in progress. Do you trust the goaltending long term? I mean, Mike Smith could break down at any moment. And, you know, look, Mika Koskinen, do you trust him? Not so much. But the Oilers right now are getting optimum play from their best players, and their best players are the are, that's the best one two well, punch in the game right now, man. And they're always, benefiting from it. James always has been. I think we had a crazy stat that the Oilers win last week or a couple weeks ago was the first time they had won in a few seasons in a game where McDavid and Drysdale didn't get a point. I mean, those guys, we talk about the number one line here in the lotto line, and Burke can talk about the great thing about the West Coast Express was consistency. Dry saddle McDavid, night in, night out, someone is showing up. And when they both are, they play like this. And when they both are and they get goaltending and depth scoring, you then have to have a conversation about the Edmonton Oilers are good enough to beat everybody when all that's happened. Tom Bertuzzi uh, joins us as he always does uh, on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Today is no different. And I believe it was uh, number 44 who predicted initially before the season began that he liked the Oilers to win the North Division. Wasn't that, is, isn't that where you went? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm still there. Um, like I said, the, the cream always rises to the top and the best players in the league always find a way to get it done. I think... Uh, it's 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 got to be a little bit disheartening at times for uh, those guys putting up that kind of points and uh, playing that consistent each and every night and 
uh, not climbing the standings as much as they should. Um, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with uh, Edmonton, but uh, man, when you got two of the greatest players in the planet uh, on one line, you got to like their chances in, uh, uh, when they get into the playoffs. Well, and, and Bert, you know what another thing is, and we don't talk a lot about it here, and we will tonight. You are a massive Kenny Holland fan. Listen, relationships mean something in the NHL. And Jesse Pugliarvi did not care for how he was treated at Edmonton. You wanted more from him from how he was drafted. And it just seemed that Ken Holland just had that magic touch with this kid and his agent, who was outspoken, to say, hey, don't, don't put on what happened to you in this organization on me. It's completely different now. And that's got to mean a lot, relationship, because that kid is going to be a sniper. He's played some good hockey for them when most thought he was done. You know, he's a very good hockey player. It's just about having patience. And uh, and unfortunately, in the past, teams never had that. Uh, Kenny is a, is a man who, who thinks first, reacts later. Uh, I've got the most up respect for Kenny uh, with his patience with players. But his relationship with players, like it, it, it makes the world and your time a better place when you have a, a relationship with your GM uh, that that you can have an open door policy. And it, and it goes with coaches too. Like this rough and gruff kind of uh, back in the past kind of relationships, man, it, it really doesn't do any justice or any help. The more you have an open door policy and everyone can be honest with each other and and, and and able to speak what what you feel is going on and all that and, and and Kenny's always had that open door policy, never shuts it for anyone. He'll have an open discussion with everyone. He'll tell you the truth, and he'll also uh, uh, help you out. Like I remember, there was a time where I wasn't getting much, and uh, I know that I spoke to Kenny. I was like, hey, I just need an opportunity to get some more ice time, whatever. And and I know that uh, Kenny doesn't say to do this, but he'll. He'll be an influence if he has you in his corner, and and with uh, with with Babcock, and and I know I ended up going with Pavel and uh, and Mule, and we ended up going on a major league role and playing some very good hockey and getting a lot of points. And I just thought at that point in time I was feeling great. I needed uh, a little bit more ice time, and uh, it was the open door policy with Kenny. And I I, th- I really believe Kenny's going to get the job done there. He's still a newbie in there trying to make it his team. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, the pieces that he does have, uh, he's, got, he's got, like I said, he's got the two greatest players in the world and he does have some uh, very good secondary pieces. Uh, Newton Hawkins is playing excellent. I like Cassian's game. Um, so uh, Tyson Berry's playing a lot better. They just, they're just, they're just, uh, they're, they're a time away from being a top, top, top uh, Stanley Cup contender. Not every office is as open door policy as, say, Kenny, though, right? Like, I feel like there's probably some coaches and some managers that you had over the years that would have said, "Hey, why don't you go take a flying leap into the uh, the frigid lake of Lake Michigan right now?" Am I assuming? Am I, can I assume correctly? No, you're 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 right. I I had it with uh, I had it with Detroit and I had it with Vancouver. Um, the rest of them, this is not really a knock. Well, in Calgary, I had it with because Mike Keenan was there, so uh, I was uh, I could have discussions with him, and guys can have discussions with him. 
the other pace, places I can't say I had any of that. Uh, so it was just, it, it was new. It was different. It, it, to me, I like, <laughs> to be honest with you, you really don't want to talk to the coaches or to the GM. The less you have to talk to them, the better I feel that you're rolling. So there's really nothing to talk about. But it's also those 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 times where you feel you can give more, you can do more, and it's just you need a you need a, you need a little bit more of a, a leeway in order to come in there and discuss and 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 say, hey, listen, just give me an opportunity here, I'll I'll do it and all that. But uh, I don't think there's a lot of places like that. If that's what you're asking, which I know that's what you're asking, and I think it's very far and in between. Brian Burke was an open book policy, one of the best. That's why I have. Uh, him, Kenny Holland, and uh, Mike Keenan is uh, some of the. But Bert, you uh, probably hear it back though, guy. right? Like you probably get it back though in the same way. Well, where it's I like, get, hey, yeah, I want I some more back playing back. time. It's like, yeah, but you don't deserve it. Maybe you probably have to yeah, hear that. that yeah, but that's just being open and honest. And I said, well, I said, I'll tell you right now, if you give me five games at uh, eighteen minutes per game with some top players, I'm gonna, I'll show you what I can do. Sometimes you have to be confrontational and and you gotta uh, you gotta sell on yourself. And I did a lot of that near the end, saying, hey, I still got some game left. Give me an opportunity. Play me some minutes. You never know what you got. The worst thing that can happen is, hey, maybe I'm wrong, and I go back to the third or fourth, and I keep plugging away in practices or try to get an opportunity another which way. But, yeah, it, it does go both ways. It's not just like, hey, give me this. <laughs> there's nothing given in the NHL. You've got to work and, uh, and ask for everything. But there's a respect factor that uh, those gentlemen that I, that I spoke about that uh, – that you build relationships with that they have for you. Todd Bertuzzi joins us as he does every Tuesday morning. Perry Selkowski, James Sabalski. A lot happens in, in seven days when we, uh, when we talk to you. Um, yeah. Are the Canucks saying the right thing, and do they believe what they're saying, Bert, that they're playing good hockey and, and they'll get some bounces that will turn around, or is there, a, is there just a belief in that room that they're just not good enough right now? Well, it's it's really weird, Perry. I went through some uh, stats today, and uh, they're fourth in first period goals for with 19. They're, they're first in the NHL in third period goals with 25. Uh, that means something's going on in the second period. And then uh, I kept digging a little bit deeper. And uh, they got the most goal. They're the third most goals against in the first period at 21, and they're fourth at 19-4. And then you look at the second period, they're number one with the most goals against with 32. And uh, most third period, uh, they're third with third period goals against. And if you actually look at some of the numbers and all that, their goals against is 78. That's second last. Um, That's a little bit alarming uh, with having that kind of firepower, not being able to uh, keep it out of the net. But I, I believe they're saying the right things. They're trying to do the right things. Uh, the second period is a little bit alarming, but there's too many, um, there's too many like seeing the positive in the goals for, but seeing the negatives in the goals against. The negatives in the goals against is outweighing that. So goal. what's the concern then, That's Bert? What, what, I, as, I, as a player, I, what do you well, think? What, same, I, what do you I, think well, it is? I think it's the same. It, it, it's not a player. It, 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 it's it's team wise. I think, that, and we discuss this week on week. It's it's just the critical turnovers. It's. Um, some guys forcing plays that shouldn't be forced. It's just a simple play. Instead, they're trying to do something, and, and that's just them trying too hard. Um, it's not for lack of effort. They go out there and they play hard in each every night. They play fast every single night. Obviously, they're starting on time for having the most goals for in the first, but they're also giving up the, the uh, fourth most or third most 
in the first two. So it's they're coming out working and all that. They're having maybe maybe trying to come from behind or chasing or or but something's going on in the second period that they're giving up leads, and then they sometimes it, it, it's a lead that is unsurmountable. It doesn't matter how hard they work or how much they do. Then when you then when you or you're like that, you end up having to press. So those games that are maybe three two or four two and they're pressing to try to get back, they end up being six two. Like if you look at the past little bit goals against, they're either blowing someone out or they're getting yeah. blown out. There's really not much consistency as as close games are and and that's another thing you're gonna learn how to do. You gotta learn how to play in close games, one nothing games, two two one games. They sure did that last year, but uh, they're they're lacking those opportunities uh this year to to be able to see if they can do that. Bert, it looks like they play not to lose, right? I think there's a difference, isn't there? Playing to win and playing not to lose. They build that lead. They're up 2-0 the other night against Winnipeg. I'm going, next goal wins. Because if it's the Jets, you just feel like mentally they're going, oh, man, we're letting this slip away again. Is is there a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose? Uh, Most definitely. And I'll use the golf analogy. It's like someone's got six holes left. He's up three. And instead of staying consistent with, with shooting at flags and playing yeah. the way he was, he's playing not to lose. And technically, when you green. play not to lose, you're, you're, yeah, you're either in a playoff or you just gave up the tournament and lost. And uh, it, it seems that there's a lot of that going right now. And that, and that has a lot to do with confidence, man. Confidence is, is the do-all and end-all in sports. If you have it, you roll. And if you don't, and, the more, and, and playing on a team sport, where you have a lot of individuals, if you got six to ten guys that are lacking confidence at one time, ouch! That's uh, that's a tough one to uh, overcome. Uh, like usually, if you're rolling, maybe there might be one guy that's not playing his best, but everyone's playing good, and usually you can play catch up and get your confidence back and all that. But when you got uh, three, four, five, six, seven guys that uh, aren't playing with confidence, uh, you get those kind of outcomes for sure. You know, when you look at where the Canucks have kind of gone the last few weeks, like they're playing a lot better these last two weeks, but then you look at the numbers, they've they've got just two wins in the last ten games. Is this is this a case of, hey, look, this is a, a fragile team or just simply teams well, just not good enough? Yeah, Pierre, but you also look, they're, they're still only three points of a playoff spot. you got to find some positive out of all this, but unfortunately – they got five games more played than Montreal, four more than the Jets, and three more than uh, it's bad. Yeah. So if you look at it, it's glass half full, glass half empty kind of thing because, yeah, they're only three points. It's not as if they're 10 points or 12 points out. They're literally three points out. But with those makeup games that all the other teams have to do, you already know what uh, five games played for the Flames. They get all five wins. That's uh, 10 points. That's uh, That's – tough to overcome uh, big time. So it's, uh, I don't know. I think for the Canucks, they just got to take it a game at a time. Don't look way too far. And I know it's cliche and it's, I hate cliches, but it's it, seriously, they're in that position right now where they can't look at the standings. They can't look at the games played. They just got to focus. Hey, we got Edmonton in two game series. Let's just take it at a period of time. And you know what? They started off in the season early, had uh, a very good game against Edmonton. So they know that they can play with them. They just got to come out strong in the first and then obviously take care of business in the second because they're scoring a lot in the third. So it's going to be – this is a pretty crucial 
two-game series coming up here, especially with the games played situation and the point uh, uh, diversion. Hey, quickly, you know we love you, but you might be on our number two line today as far as power forwards because uh, Iggy's joining us at 8 o'clock. You got a good yeah, I just uh, Yeah, you know what? I just heard that he is coming on. Please tell Iggy I say hello. Uh, I love playing with Iggy. Uh, fantastic human being, uh, Hall of Famer, and uh, smart hockey guy. And I uh, uh, can't say enough good things about him. Uh, listen, before we tune off here, I just want to – uh, say one thing, um, the Red Wing family, the NHL family, and the trainer family, uh, over the weekend we lost, uh, uh, and th- this hits hard with me, With uh, we lost Sergei Cheknarov, better known as Chika. He was our uh, equipment and massage therapist, but he was our best friend and our brother, and uh, this one hurts a lot. Um, every one of the trainers will know who I'm talking about, He's legendary around all the NHL rinks, and uh, he leaves behind his wife and his daughter, and uh, we're having his funeral on Friday, and uh, this one hurts a lot. So uh, thanks for giving me the time just to say that, and uh, rest in peace, Chica. I love you. Sending a virtual hug there, man, and obviously you can hear it in your voice how much he meant to you, and I'm sure uh, it touched the lives of a lot of guys. Uh, it is it a true family in the, uh, in the hockey world. You take care of my sincere condolences there, Bert. Yeah. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, Todd Bertuzzi, uh, joining us and uh, closing things out on a somber note, uh, kind of checking in on what ails the Vancouver Canucks here this morning on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a chance to catch up oh. with this individual. She's finally back on schedule to hang out with us after a few weeks away, but Salty Sonia Aslam is That's the welcome back, back. Salty Sonia. Yeah. Wow. That's your rep. No, it's not my rep. That's a made-up It rep. is on this show. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Well, I'm we can always positive. work to change it, right? You're true. like the Canucks. We can always work to change what people are thinking about. Uh, that's a work in progress over there. But sure, yeah. What, well, what's going on from a news... finally decided to show up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's going on from a news standpoint? Uh, oh, it's just another busy day. Variants, lots of variants in this province. We have more than 100 cases, and there are obviously we've had... Uh, about seven or eight cases in schools. So there was a lot of parent angst towards the province to say, why can't we change rules and get more ventilation and um, have learning at home be more of an option and make masks mandatory for every grade and every staff member. It's the same fight that's been going on for a while. Just a concern now is keeping an eye on the variants. Um, the other big one is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, was the paramedic story that I had actually done. And so what we're at, the point that we're at right now in this province, I think a lot of people forget, guys, is we have two public health emergencies in this province. It's like nowhere else in the country. We have the opioid crisis, health emergency, and we have the pandemic. So paramedics right now are not only completely burnt out and they're frustrated and they have no resources. We're at a point where we have ambulances that don't have enough staff to be operating. So on Friday night, in a span of 24 hours into Saturday, there was a more than 120 opioid overdose calls, and there were 29 ambulances that were not staffed. There was no working wow. ambulance serving the North Shore entirely. And it's at a point now where they're saying, well, we need to hire. Like, we need to be able to recruit people either from across the country, but that's complicated because of COVID. If you take paramedics from other cities, then they don't have a backfill. Like, it's a real critical situation right now. It's leading to really long wait times for people. 
you know, it is, um, you know, I got, I mean, my dad was a cop and it put food on our plates and kept a roof over our heads. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of friends that are firefighters as well, but it is crazy how you look at when we, we pay first responders, Aslam, you know, cops and firefighters do pretty well by societal standards and paramedics do not get no nope. they don't no, they, they don't. just don't you they know don't. the hours <laughs> like their their union just is not does not have the clout that that cops and firefighters certainly have and it's clearly reflective in the the, the lack of the lack of paramedics out there yeah and we're, we're at a point now where this is putting you know it's putting public safety at risk like on Friday yeah. night, Saturday and Sunday, the response time for an emergency call was up to an hour. Non-emergency was up to 16 hours for a paramedic to show up. And it's not because they're not doing their job. It's because they just don't have staff. They just don't have the resources right now. Staffing is low. And a lot of paramedics that we've heard from say, look, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I can't do this workload any- anymore. I need help. Yeah, so. uh, that, that becomes difficult. You make that call, you expect that you'd get it. Uh, yeah. Quickly, Biden and JT today. Is that that's Yeah, the they're having a meeting. It's at 1 o'clock our time. Usually they do it in the morning, but they push it back to this afternoon, which is fine. So they'll talk about a few things, the economy, uh, the pandemic, jobs. And um, China is going to be a really probably uncomfortable topic that's going to come up, but it's going to come up. And that's because uh, those two Canadians are still stuck in a prison somewhere in China. Uh, the two Michaels, as they're known, they've been there for almost three years now, ever since Meng Wanzhou got arrested at YVR, the uh, Huawei exec. So uh, that's going to be probably a tense conversation. They will make a joint statement together after their meeting, but they won't be taking any questions, it looks like, from reporters. So that's weird. Joe needs to get some sleep. Yeah, hey. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Joe, Joe's Joe got no early nap. morning meetings. Joe, Joe Joe's needs... kind of been busy lately. Uh, yeah. uh, we're serving uh, warm in. milk and soft food here for the meal. Who does uh, warm milk is... at night? Is that what you do? That's... No, I don't take warm milk at night to pass uh, out. Sir, I, you know, at a certain age, I think a warm glass of milk. I don't know. I mean, milk? You... Ovaltine? Yeah. yeah Ovaltine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Canucks win tonight? Some, yeah, warm um... glass to shut the hell up as uh, <laughs> to steal a line from uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I hope they do. Uh but it's McDavid and it's the Oilers and you know we're struggling to get two points out of a game. I appreciate the effort I've seen lately. Appreciate, you know, getting a point, but better than one point is two points. So, let's see how it goes. Nice to catch up. Thanks, Welcome back. Welcome you. back. All the positive news too, you know. Yes, Par- you, got, you got the paramedics all fired up this morning. Nice. Yes, there you go. It's true. My my buddy my buddy just texted in to say uh that his wife is a paramedic. Loves her job and hates the lack of support from the government. So Aww. if that yeah, doesn't set things up. You should right always there. everyone should take a moment today or in the next week or so thank a first responder if you see them mm-hmm. and thank them if you know them because yeah. they deserve or, it or call an ambulance and just put well it to said. the test right yeah oh yeah there you go or don't <laughs> no or don't. don't do that don't <laughs> no, do don't, that don't <laughs> all right thanks Sonia. thanks boys welcome back all right yeah, there I'm... she is Sonia aslam from news 11 30 just down the hall with the latest uh, what's going on uh, this morning all right it is uh, 26 minutes after seven o'clock it is game day canucks and oilers we'll dive in a little more as to what the oilers are doing these days and why things have turned around in such a big way quinn Phillips out of Edmonton from Global will drop on by and weigh in with her thoughts next. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
732. Got a mix of sun and cloud in the forecast. A small chance of showers uh, this morning, but it uh, doesn't look like we're going to get that. High at 9 degrees today. It is game day. Pre-game show starts at 5 o'clock. They're on the Sportsnet 650 puck drop coming your way at 7 o'clock as the Canucks will try to uh, get back on their winning ways after dropping back-to-back games to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, it appears like mission impossible right now for the Canucks to try to jump back into this playoff race. But these are the games, man. These are the games, these next four. You've got two more against the Jets after these two against the Oilers. You're just not getting Edmonton at the right time. And when you're a frail team trying to face the most dangerous threat in the National Hockey League, bodes uh, screams problematic, Pear. Well, but how many people thought Calgary, you find out Markstrom's hurt day-to-day for a long time, as they're telling us. Uh, you didn't think the Flames would be able to right the ship against a Leafs team, and they did. So take hope in that. That you What what we saw yesterday with three shutouts is there were some great goaltending performances. And uh, I am not putting the problems of the Vancouver Canucks on the goaltending, but you need someone to step up. You need someone to be there to go, okay, everything points to the Edmonton Oilers coming in here flying and leaving with a few points, um, but right the ship. Play better hockey. They're not going to be as, as tight defensively as Winnipeg is. They're not that disciplined, but also the star power and the speed coming at you will look different than the Mark Shifley's of the world as well, too. So uh, we'll see what they can come up with. Oh, I, I think you can point to goaltending being a major issue back two nights ago with Braden Holpe's performance. And I, I've, I've, I've been a Braden Holpe fan for the most part, but, I mean, there were two goals that he allowed that just absolutely broke the team's back, I thought, on Sunday night against the Jets that ultimately was a direct result that cost this team a victory. Um, you know, you got to be better. And I would assume that Thatcher Demko will get the opportunity to go back tonight. He's had success, obviously, against the Jets this year, had the win early in the season a few weeks ago, and then ultimately uh, lost a 2 nothing game that was really a one nothing game that uh, they just couldn't generate any offense. But he kept that team in it on Friday night. Uh, so we'll see if whether or not Thatcher Demko gets a chance to get back into uh, the net later on tonight. Quinn Phillips uh, from Global in Edmonton uh, dives in uh, here this morning on the sport, starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650 to get a sense of uh, – how the Oilers are doing it, having won eight of their last ten games. Uh, Quinn joins us this morning. Good morning, Quinn. Good morning. Did you know I was an ex-swimmer? Is that why you used the dive in? I did not realize that. Oh. Like, at, uh, like yeah. are, you, are you selling the fact that you were a competitive swimmer, or are you just, like, cannonball expert? No, Edmonton Keanu Swim Club. Oh, that's, that's a big game. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my brother Imagine- would say better. We won't, we won't get into that, though. Well, national level. I mean, when you when you're dropping that, Quint, like a national level or or a provincial level. Oh, my what brother was top five in the country for sure. Really? Is he really? Eh? Close, yeah. close to an Olympic team. Um. Yeah, I guess he would have been. Yeah, I, I, that's such a long time ago now. <laughs> He's not like Brent mm-hmm. Hayden and still swimming. So. No. Well, you better sell it better than that next time. I mean, if you, you sit there and you, you tell us that you got a family of swimmers, and then you basically sounded like you're using a life jacket when you're in the pool. <laughs> well, if you saw me tread water, you would actually believe it. And then I played water polo after as well. well I could see you being oh. scrappy enough to be a water polo player. Oh, I was mean. And that's rough. Like, oh, like People talk about sport. that's a nasty sport. It, it, uh, yeah, you don't want to know, especially for women. Like, I remember one time this this – girl that was on the national team used to pick on our younger players so finally i just went after her and i was swimming behind her and i made a fist on my downstroke and just punched her in the back 
And she's like, if you want to start this, I'm going to finish it. And I was like, you started it. Come on. And I came out with scratches head to toe on me. Oh, you know, at, at the tw- at the 2012 Olympics and we're going, to, I had some time to kill. I was doing swimming and I, and I went to, and I checked a whole bunch of different events. I go to a water polo game because you have a pass, right? I believe it was Serbia against Montenegro. And it was like, okay, this is USA Canada. This is USA Canada for a gold medal in hockey. It wasn't a gold medal match, but the countries didn't like each other. And the singing and everything was going on and go, okay, sport is sport no matter what it is. I am jacked up and I'm watching water polo for the first time in my life and appreciated how talented those athletes are. So, well, and those countries are so good and they, yeah, oh. they would hate each other. So yeah. that's awesome. I'm glad you liked it because some people are so confused by it because there's so many whistles. But oh, I didn't. I didn't know what the hell it. was going on, but I, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't know. You do um, <laughs> Let's get into the to the Oilers, and, and a lot of people won't get into it. I talked to Todd Bertuzzi. He was just on the show, Quinn, and I said, "Man, Kenny Holland is is has done some magic with Jesse Puljujarvi, who looks like the guy the Oilers drafted, and we kind of have a similar thing with Ole Olevi. Go back to Finland, figure it out. But Jesse's agent, and we had Marcus Leto on this show. It just didn't think like they could repair the relationship." Um, has he been the big surprise for you so far, as far as the Oilers are concerned? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I'll be the first to admit that I was not a Pugliarvi fan. Um, he just frustrated me away from the ice. Like, he didn't think that learning the language would be important. And and so then he just didn't fit in. He never felt like he fit in. I remember Ken Hitchcock always saying that they were just trying to find him somebody to hang out with. They wanted him to mesh with the team. and And so I just... And, and to leave like that at such a young age, like I just thought, ah, there's no way he's coming back. And I, I don't really care if he does. Like there's a reason that Columbus didn't take him and, you know, but um, he, and I even tweeted this the other day, he has, he has done a complete 180. He's gone from this kid that could barely communicate to this really endearing kid during media availability. He's got a huge smile on his face, you know, he's talking about his new puppy the other day and, and scoring, uh, the goal on Connor McDavid's 500th goal or 500th point, sorry, and you know, saying, "Oh, it's cool," <laughs> you know, which is just it, it was it was very sweet, and and he's been he's been a joy to kind of watch develop and and see his confidence build. And man, can the kid shoot? Uh, Quint Phillips here on Sportsnet 650. Um, is this? It's easy to sit there and look at what Connor McDavid's doing, where he's what. 37 points already in 20 games this season. And, you know, Dreisaitl's doing his things as well. But is it me or is this team actually winning because of defense? They're winning because of defense. But that has been something that they have been trying to work on for years now. <laughs> but it's working! Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and at the beginning of the season, it was it was interesting. Because, you know, last year, like with Tippett here, by the end of the season, like they had a great start, and by the end of the season, they were the top team in Canada. I mean, the bubble was a terrible experience, and we're just all putting that behind us. Um, but so then, early on, when they when they had that rough start, Tippett was short. He was not happy because he just he wanted this team to play better defensively, and he just didn't, you know, like it, there was just no time to waste. He was he was irritated like noticeably irritable that they they weren't playing well defensively but I mean it's interesting it's tough to lose Slater Cuckoo I really liked him in that third pairing he just kind of seemed to fit there Um, but Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry two offensively charged defensemen playing so well together that is what's been really interesting you know the last nine or ten games 
Someone had texted in, and he's only played a, a handful of games because he was in the conversation here as we got set for the draft and Evan Bouchard. I, you know, the thing is, you got Nurse, who's a horse, Barry, who's logging minutes. Man, you, you've got some young guys coming up. Has Bouchard shown the progress that, that the organization would have hoped for at a young age? Oh, I would, I would say so for sure. And what's interesting is in the summer camp, I was worried that Philip Broberg was passing Bouchard because he just, he looked so good in that camp. Um, But then, you know, the Oilers had said that he wasn't going to be coming back, you know, after the world juniors in the bubble. And so they were just sending Broberg back to Sweden. Um, Bouchard has been like, I, I imagine the AHL experience and then going over and playing in Sweden did him really good, but he, he's been a wonderful surprise. You're not worried about him out on the ice, and uh, he's already, you know, showing the offensive upside that he can bring. So it's nice. The, the, the Oilers finally do have some kind of kids up and coming uh, defensively, which was not a strength before. Quinn, thanks for this. Nice to uh, catch up with you. Um, hopefully this was way less painful than the scratches and the bruises you endured during water polo. Um, but uh, thanks for doing this. Oh, it, it was my pleasure. Next time I'll come back, back with like some hard facts on my brother's swim. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll be irritated when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you, Quinn. Thank you, Quinn. Take Thanks, care. guys. Uh, Quinn Phillips from Global in Edmonton uh, weighing in on uh, the Oilers and the uh, turnaround that we're finally starting to see the results paying off with uh, Dave Tippett behind the bench in Edmonton. Uh, look at Mike Smith's numbers since he's kind of got back to full health. He's got a 940 save percentage in five starts this year, Pair. You know, Mike Smith, when healthy, actually isn't a bad option. I mean, is that trust? Do you trust it? Like, is it sustainable at that age? No, but. He's been dynamite here since finally getting back to full health. That will be their shortcoming. But to Quinn's point, if ever you're going to have a team that's going to understand playing five-man defense, it's going to be a Dave Tippett-led team. And, you know, as Quinn said, you kind of forget as we we watch and, and analyze every game in the North Division, who's the best team in Canada? Well, last year was the Edmonton Oilers, right? Now, granted, you're not playing each other now, but... You know, who are the the Oilers intimidated by when they're rolling? I, I think they feel they can beat anybody. Uh, it's just a matter. You get they don't need great goaltending, James. They just need they just need good goaltending if everybody else is firing, right? And and to Quinn Phillips' point, they've got a lot of young guys who've been waiting in the farms and, and, and getting that opportunity. Um, they're going to be better and get better. You know, you go, you can wait a couple years and then you look, oh yeah, McDavid's twenty five years old now. So as much as we think he's not in his prime because of what he does is crazy, there still might even be an upsider, Connor McDavid and Liam Drysettle, and that's scary. 7.43, uh, pregame show starts uh, with the Canucks and Oilers, 5 o'clock this evening here on Sportsnet 650, puck drop at 7 o'clock. Hey, don't forget, just after 8 on your Canucks commute, we're talking to the legendary, uh, and I guess uh, longtime Canuck killer at that as well, Jerome McGinley, who's making his way back here to BC. Uh, we'll talk to Jerome coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, hey, the Preds ready to sell and ready to sell everybody. Well, Almost. Those details next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. The Nashville Predators, they entered this, the day seventh in points percentage in the Central Division, and there's talk about what they're going to do. Word is, maybe only three untouchables. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Tonight, 
749. It is game day. Canucks and the Oilers. Uh, James Savalski, Perry Solkowski with you. And how about that news, right? Uh, over the weekend from Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman. So Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, your two cornerstone defensemen that you are locked into for the foreseeable future. One is the reigning Norris Trophy winner. Um, and Ryan Ellis, you've got locked up for the next, what, seven years as well, or six years anyway. Uh, the two of them just recently signing uh, big deals. Pecorine is the only other untouchable, at least according to Elliot, and he's in the final year of a uh, contract that pays him just $5 million this season. So, you know, he's been a long-serving Nashville Predator. He's 38, so he'd probably just, you know, riding off into the sunset after this year. But, Pear, I mean, all bets are off right now with the Nashville Predators. At least they're willing to listen. It sounds like there'll be a huge asking price, but, you know, names like Dante Fabro potentially available at just 22. You know, Philip Forsberg's only 26. How many teams would love to have a Philip Forsberg? It's just a question of, you know, what people are willing to pay in order to get those sorts of assets. Well, it, it, it's it's the one, it's the magical chair, how David Poyle has sat there in the longest reigning GM and, has had a window of opportunity and made some dumb moves. The Matt Duchesne one, the one that sticks out. But you're right. To me, I'd be looking at Philip Forsberg. Uh, I, I, you know, I just can't see them letting Dante Fabro go. Um, but you know, they've got a lot of bad contracts. Ryan Johansson is a guy who cashed in at the right time and has never lived up, you know, to the billing that he expected. Um, but you know, Poyle's never been afraid to spend money, and that window of opportunity, I think, for the most part, people feel has closed on the Nashville Predators, but I'd kick some tires there because they need to change something. There's a couple players that could be great additions, but it's uh, uh, it, it's been a big disappointment for what they've put forth. Uh, Dante Frabo looked good in a lot of places. I just don't think they're that, that dumb that they'd let him go. How about where this team is at? And when you look at some of the trades of substance that Poyle has made, he's made some major trades but years back, the Weber for Subban, which defenseman would you mm-hmm. rather have right now? Yep. now? PK's having a bit of a nice bounce back uh, with the Devils this season, who are certainly going in the right direction. But I would also say that um, I'd still take Shea Weber in a heartbeat. You know, how that trade has kind of played itself out. And the Johansson for Seth Jones. Seth Jones. I mean, yep. that looks like a huge win right now for the Columbus Blue Jackets, where... You know, Ryan Johansson, I mean, I think there's been questions about his his fitness. Um, and look at the numbers. I mean, the search for that sort of number one center, it just uh, – now, look, he's dealt with injuries this year, but I think if you look at the numbers um, over the last four years, like Ryan Johansson has not been – he has not produced as a top-line center for the Nashville Predators, and that's been a big problem for them. When they made that trade, you could understand Poyle because he said, here's what we need. We need that center. And, okay, so you go and get him. And, you know, they had that great playoff run of Johansson was hurt with his leg, so he was out. And you never know. We all know what an injury can mean in a playoff run. Just, you know, circle Dan Hamhuis in 2011. But, yes, for the longevity of it, to see what kind of a player Seth Jones has come into, how reliable it is. Hey, you always want a, a blue line and a guy who's going to eat up 30 minutes more than a center. He's gone on to get Kyle Turris, he thought would help there. You know, he goes after Matt Deshane, who's got the... You know, the great thing about Matt Deshane is people who who were traded for or draft picks that turned into, Matt Deshane's going to have this all-star list. I mean, Bowen Byram's attached to Matt Deshane as far as moves are concerned that Colorado made to get rid of him. So uh, he had his window. 
He took his shot. He fell short. And now it looks like, you know, as far as Elliott's concerned, it could be a little bit of a garage sale. Go, what do you want? But there's some big contracts there that no one's going to touch. Matt Duchesne would be one. I think Ryan Johansson's another. You're not looking at guys like that. So where do you find some value in that Nashville lineup right now? Duchesne, terrible. I guess if you if you want to bring this to a what's this got to do with the Canucks, would you make a move on it? I, I just don't think they have the assets, right? Unless you're willing to cough up some first-round picks and, you know, you're giving up a Pod Colson or something along those lines. But, you know, does a Philip Forsberg help this team up front? Sure. Well, for sure. Um, does, does, does uh, you know, does a Dante Fabro kind of fit in the wheelhouse for this team? Sure. But the assets to give up, I just don't think that this team certainly has that. That you know, it doesn't matter who's doing what. It's what do you have? What are you interested in? Right? It's it's the old Sam Bennett, Jake Vertanen. Okay, well, let's make the deal. The numbers look fine, but or are you know, do they really want a Jake Vertanen? There's not a lot of assets on the bottom six of the Vancouver Canucks right now that are interesting. So unless you are moving a top pick, um, I don't think you. I don't think you're knocking on the door. And I just don't think. Uh, we're going to see much. I mean, the trade deadline, when it appears, is going to be just a little bit of a whimper. It's not going to be a crazy day because I think everyone goes, yeah, we've got some issues and we can't fix these issues until the summer. And that's going to be how most people play it out. Would a Colton Sissons help, though? You know, if you're not He's necessarily the one name that's high, interesting, like, right? Like, that's, that, like, there's a guy that, you know, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a banner year for Sissons. He's just got the three goals, and that's all in 17 games. But, you know... Depending on going forward, is that a guy that you could like? The Canucks are going to have to overhaul this bottom six within the next year and a half, right? You know, you're going to need some players here. Now, I think you look like you're kind of set in your top six. You got Pod Colson coming in, whether that's Cole Lynn getting an opportunity here at some point. But when you look at your bottom six, you know, McEwen's still got to show that he is an everyday regular. Tyler Mott, I think, is one sure thing I think you would try to count on for the foreseeable future in the bottom six. But, you know, would a Colton Sissons be a guy that you could look at, well, and you know, as a, uh, you know, as a top nine type player? Yeah, you want a hometown right wing big body who can do something like we have been waiting for that forever. I like Colton Sissons. You know what he gives you? He gives you a work ethic every night. Uh, his contract is something that would be, uh, you know, easy. Just under to, $3 million. To Just under $3 million, to, right? but you've yeah, got, and, and, and you're locked in. Yeah, now you're locked in until 2026 at, at – Two point eight million for him. Yes. Uh, if I'm Nashville, yeah. if I'm Nashville, I know what I get and I know what his price point is. I wouldn't be giving him up. Could he help? Sure. But you know, the bottom six is where it's supposed to be easy to fill. Problem is with the Canucks, the bottom six with Roussel, and now that that Erickson's there, what you hope Jake would bring, they haven't really brought that consistency. Tyler Mutt's the one guy in that bottom six. You go great. Sutter's there, wasn't supposed to be there, but you need more from it. I think you can fix the bottom six. Uh, quicker than you can the top. I just don't know if, you know, it's it's just the fancy. The Nashville Predators were on the fancy street. They were on Robson Street where you're not going to find too many deals. They paid a lot of money and overpaid for a lot of people. It's great that they're all available, but I don't know how quickly this roster is going to be picked over. Uh, there's still time, right? There's still, what, you're talking almost two months from the uh, the NHL trade deadline as well. So, But the word's out there, at least for now. All right, uh, coming up just after 8 o'clock in moments Jerome Ginla joins the starting lineup on this game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. Here's Ryan Kessler. Looks like uh, he and Jerome Ginla. Kessler wants him. Now Ginla wants to fight. Kessler 
And Jerome McGinley. Right off the faceoff. Boy, the kid threw a few rights in a hurry, too. McGinley well, is a veteran of this, and Ryan Kessler's new at it. There's no quit in him. This is a pretty good fight. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. It is 8 o'clock, hour number three of the starting lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. At Surrey Honda, you'll find quality and community. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski, and a man who probably, I don't know if there's somebody on this planet that beat up more Vancouver Canucks over this century in the 2000s than our guest at this time, uh, Jerome McGinley. How are you, sir? <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but... <laughs> Oh, it was fun playing the Canucks. Some great, uh, great battles. Uh, uh, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jerome, I'm always amazed um, at the recall of players and goals and situations. When you hear that, and our, our Greg Ballack just found that, hey, I've got an Aginla Kessler fight. Do you remember it? Do you go, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, no, to be honest, I, I don't know which one. I mean, I remember fighting Kessler, uh, I think we fought a couple times, maybe three times, I believe three times. Um, uh, from my memory, I, I would say once in Vancouver and two in Calgary, but no, I don't know which one uh, that was. Uh, he was, uh, oh man, we had some battles. He was a, a tough guy to play against, and uh, you know, on the ice, we we didn't have a lot of love for each other. But uh, I never knew him off the ice, and that's kind of a funny thing uh, in hockey. You hear that a lot. Is that uh, you know, it's 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 not personal on the ice. You can totally dislike a guy, and you meet a guy off the ice, and it's it's it stays on the ice. It's, I think that's a neat part of the game. That's uh, that fight is from 2006. But but tell me this: who was who was like you scrapped with a few guys uh, on the Canucks? Who was who was the toughest guy you battled on, on the Canucks? Just on the Canucks roster? Uh well, you know, uh, Olin was always a tough guy to oh, play. Oh my against. god, that fight! Oh, oh yeah, he was a tough guy. He was a big guy. He was strong. Um, you know, Kessler was tough. It was like they had a lot of guys that. Um, you know that that they played hard. They they played hard, and and uh, Jovo Jovo was a tie. I got into a fight with Jovo. He was a uh, that was a tough fight. He was a big guy. He threw some heavy heavy uh, punches, and uh, you know so he didn't want to get hit by those. Uh, he had a lot of great <laughs> fights over his career. So uh, Willie Mitchell was a uh, tough guy to play against too. Um, you know as far as his his long stick in every game, every shift he battled. Uh, and you know, we got into it verbally sometimes. So it was fun. We always got really fired up and they were, they were games that, you know, when you won them, uh, it was a big boost for the team. And, and, you know, you try to carry it forward kind of like that, uh, being in Calgary, kind of like the battle of Alberta. And, and, uh, sometimes it was even a bigger battle for us with, uh, Vancouver where you could get big momentum or, or if it doesn't go well, uh, you're feeling it for a few days and the coaches aren't happy in practice, you know? You know, we have a couple of your uh, former Olympic teammates or regulars. Bertuzzi just joined us in the 7 o'clock hour. Jovo talks to us every Wednesday. Uh, you know, Bert's still out golfing. He's playing with the guys in Detroit once a week. Jovo's golfing, but, you know, he says his hips are terrible. He can't even tie his shoes. You played the game so hard. Did you leave the game healthy? Uh, well, well, thankfully I was healthy for the most part when I – when I played, I had, you know, during the seasons and stuff, but I, I did wear my body down. I can hear, hear where they're coming from. Um, you know, when I was younger and, you know, training in the gym and strength coaches would say, okay, well have the right form. You know, you don't want to wear out your, your knees or your shoulders and, you know, the cartilage in there. And I, I didn't fully understand that. And I had some great strength coaches, uh, Rich Heskiff, a uh, long time there in uh, Calgary for about 20 years. And, um, you know, they tried to help me, but I did wear the body down. I, uh, 
my hips, I know where Jovo's coming from. I got kind of a, a, I have a partial hip replacement. Uh, my knees, it's all cartilage. So it sounds funny, but it's just, it's just wear and tear. You just, you know, from my shoulders, um, you know, I can golf, I can golf, but I, if I play too long on the, uh, the rink with the, the, our boys and, and our daughter, uh, it, it, I'll feel a little bit the, the next day, but thankfully, you know, it's, it was all well worth it. Um, you know, it was an amazing career and, and I had a ton of fun and, and great, great memories and the body's in solid shape, but I can't go out and, and lift as heavy as I used to, or, uh, uh, I could never make it through a marathon, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jerome McGinley here on Sportsnet 650. Okay, so are you going to use a walker when you're on the ice? Is you're, you're moving back to Kelowna to coach here now, man. Like you're, you're working with the Hockey Academy uh, starting this fall. Is is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't need it. No, no, not thankfully not that, that case. And, and if you ever watch coaches, they don't move that much. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe, Leaning against the boards, right? Yeah, and you need a good uh, set of vocals. You got to be able to yell, you know. So I, I, I've got my voice ready, and uh, um, I've really enjoyed uh, coaching uh, over the last four years here since being out. It's been uh, really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed coaching, uh, um, you know, my, our, our boys and their teams, and and uh, in co-coaching their teams, and and just working with kids, helping them to try to get better, and that are that are into it, and and uh, to it's also fun to be on the bench, and you still get that competitive stuff, but. But um, it is a balance, remembering that it's, you know, it is, it's obviously just minor hockey and they're just games and, and everything like that. But it, it's really fun to instill that uh, competitive uh, fire and, and to see the kids get fired up and, and uh, uh, just to keep growing and learning and, and um, trying to get better in the game. So it's been fun trying to pass that along. And I look forward to getting a chance to do that in Kelowna. And um, I think we're going to have a really good uh, group. It's great resources there with uh, Rink Kelowna and, and um the the opportunity that they give the kids to to be on the ice that much and to be in the gym and and to do the off ice training and the shooting and the skills uh and to still you know you focus on your core subjects uh in school um but you have a lot more time because you it's just your core subjects that you're doing and you you know so it's our boys are very very excited about it um it's a lot of work ahead uh for them and stuff but it's it, I, i'm looking forward to it Jerome McGinley joining us on the starting lineup, Perry Solkowski and James Sabalski. Jerome, I've always had interesting conversations with guys who retire and then they they want to coach. And here in Canada, they see all the courses they have to take and they're going, oh, I kind of played like 700 games in the NHL. I have an idea what hockey's about. Did you have to take any of that? Like, is it different in the States than what it is for the criteria to allow you to coach hockey teams here in Canada? Um, yeah, I think it's slightly different. I think the coach in the C... SSHL, there is something that everybody has to take. Um, and I do get where those guys are coming from. Um, you know, as far as level one or level two coaching, um, this, you know, that the, they're important programs, but I think, you know, for a lot of the drills and a lot of the things, you know, our whole lives as players, that's, man, we've done a lot of drills, as you can imagine. And, um, yeah. you know, there's different, yeah. Um, and a lot of the same drills that you do in the NHL, uh, you still do in minor hockey. It's still a lot of the same breakdowns and the skills, the skills. But I think there's definitely good things in some of the programs. Um, in the States, you have to do, you definitely have to do like safe sport and you have to go online and, and you have to, uh, there's certain programs you have to do as a coach. And I think that's a good thing. But there's some that they let you, uh, if you're an ex-NHLer um, or they look at your individual um career they can let you pass say level one or level two but we we have to do the safe sport and everything so i'm hoping 
that's a similar case in the in Canada. I'm waiting to hear, but I, I did hear that uh, there's a few more that that I will have to take, and it doesn't just cross over. Um, uh, the Hockey US was was I guess kind to ex NHLers. Hopefully, uh, Hockey Canada will have that uh, um, <laughs> as far as uh, Jerome Ginla fails level three coaching course. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be hard to take. Uh, you know, communication is key uh, in coaching, right? You want to be a good communicator. You certainly dealt with enough coaches uh, over the years. You know, I, I would think that your communication skills would be excellent, especially the way that you were able to convey winter driving tips on a news report in oh, Boston not too goodness. long ago. That was amazing. <laughs> you, you got that, eh? It was very snowy, and you wouldn't want to be on the roads. I get that message got across to you. <laughs> yes. yeah, no. crystal clear crystal clear winter driving <laughs> tips with your how like how have you not capitalized on that this year oh my gosh that, i got i got some text after that and, and uh people had fun with me for that one uh um yeah it was just it was my daughter was home she had a uh it was a blizzard out here but you know it's being in canada we've been through a lot in in, in growing up in the edmonton area and, and being in calgary we've had a lot of blizzards so it wasn't that bad, but it was, um, you know, I, I didn't expect it. I was at the gas station. I just had to stop and get some gas. Nobody was around at all. And this, uh, uh, the lady, the reporter came up, and I thought it would have been rude to say no, right? So, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Did, oh, wow. You know, when the reporter does that, Jerome, having done that for a long time, they're called streeters. They usually, just so they can have the person's name, they ask, did she ask you your name? She did. She did ask me my name, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't expect her to to know that I played hockey in the past or anything like that. But when she asked it, uh, you know, it was uh, you could tell that she, it didn't really um, click in uh, as far as the pronunciation. She didn't want to take a crack at it, you know, like drove, <laughs> uh, so she just moved on. <laughs> it's not an easy name to pronounce, and you could tell she uh, she was scared of it right away. So uh, you t- didn't go home. You didn't go home and say, "Honey." Damn it, we're moving back to Canada. No one knows who I am anymore. No, 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 I didn't expect that. You know what, I did want to, I thought, you know what, it would be kind of like, there might be a couple buddies I could, I asked when it would be on at like, say, 11 or whatever, and I thought I could, you know, maybe get a clip of it down the road and send it to uh, just a couple buddies just for fun to be like, um, you know, out in the blizzard or whatever. But in the morning, I think the first one was uh, Jamie McLennan out of Toronto. It started, he, he texted me at like, 7.30 or 8 in the morning, he already saw it. I was like, oh, oh, and then I got a few more, and then they, they were all over me, razzing me and stuff, but uh, that was fun. Yeah, and well, and well done. You did, you did not miss a beat at all. Uh, tomorrow marks, uh, what, 11 years to the day of uh, the golden goal um, at Rogers Arena for the Olympic gold medal game uh, here in Vancouver, and – Man, to this day, like you are, you are always kind of known iconically now as Iggy. Iggy, I'm open. Like, does that still scream in your head hearing Sidney Crosby and that high pitched voice calling your name for that puck? Oh man, that was yeah, that was fun, and I didn't realize it was uh, tomorrow, eleven years uh, to the day. But um, yeah, what a what a neat uh, experience to be a part of. Just being on Team Canada, they're playing in Vancouver. Uh, the, the way the country, you know, the way the city, you know, the, the Olympics, I was very fortunate to, you know, very blessed to get to play in three of them, in Torino and Salt Lake and Vancouver. And that was, that was the best uh, atmosphere by far in the whole city that made me proud, uh, you know, all of us on the team and, and on the Olympic team, you know, as Canadians, how much uh, 
you know, the, the, the country was supporting the Olympics and how, how the fans are into it and, and enjoying it and, and the enthusiasm. And, to, you know, when you get into that final game and, and as a kid, you imagine being in those types of situations. Um, but when you're, when you're on the bench, I'll tell you, it was, it, it's nerve wracking. It's, you know, you realize these are, these are games where you play a few of them and, and some not as at that level where, you're going to remember this for a long time, good or bad. And, and uh, as a group, when the U.S. came back and, and tied it so late and under a minute left to, uh, to tie it, we knew, you know, you go into to overtime, it's, it's going to be a big story one way or the other. And in Canada, you want to deliver. And, um, you know, I was thrilled to, to be on the ice. It, it's a hard decision uh, Mike Babcock has to make when he has a team, you know, as Team Canada to which which guys are going to be in rotation to play. There's only two forwards on at a time. There's probably four sets. So out of the 12 forwards, only eight are playing. So I was uh, thrilled and I got to play with Crosby. And then so you're nervous on the bench. And when you go on the ice, you just go, you work, you just play and compete. And it's, it's so much fun. And then you get back on the bench and you're nervous watching and uh, the excitement up on every every play, every shot. So yeah, that was to see that one. I remember him turning in the corner and him yelling. And it's just kind of that yelling where you feel like it's different. Like he's great, obviously an unbelievable player, but he's a great communicator. Um, you know where he is on the ice. He talks to you. And right there, he, he just gave me, you know, I'd played with him for the tournament off and on and uh, kind of knew he was open. I didn't, you know, I just gave him, so I just did an extra effort to get it to him. Um, and he just, you know, he can, he just quick shot five hole was awesome, but it was like being a peewee, you know, we're throwing our helmets around and it was something I'll yeah. never, ever forget. It was a truly amazing experience. And, uh, just to, to, to win on the team in, in overtime in, in Canada, it was something, it was, you know, it's really a dream when you're, when you're younger. It was really neat to see that uh, uh, the way it went. You get such a bond with your NHL teammates, and you had your run to a Stanley Cup with Calgary. Is that same bond there in those three Olympic experiences when you're coming together with the best of the best and you got two weeks to try and achieve the goal that the country wants. I mean, is that something that you're never taking away either? Do you know those Olympic teammates as well as you would your regular teammates? No, I don't think you know them as well. I think the bond will always be there. I think when we you run into to the players around, it's like uh, it's like time, you know time goes by so fast. It's like you you, you know you, you do stay in touch with a lot of them, and you when you see them in the say in the off season or around the rink, there'll always be that bond, I believe, and. Um, but I think being on a team where you play with them day in, day out longer, um, and then especially if you're able to win a Stanley Cup or go on a run, um, each series you win, uh, you know, is kind of like a mini celebration and there's so many battles. So I would say, yeah, I would say your regular team with that success would have a tighter bond. And, um, but it's still very special. And, um, you know, you're, you're cheering for different guys that you played with. And it's, it's a really, really cool experience to represent your country and to come together with uh, an, an honor to be selected when they have so many people to pick from and you're actually, you know, it's, you get to be a part of it and uh, uh, represent, um, you know, a lot of what, you know, we've seen top players, you know, representing Canada, world juniors, all those different things. And now you get to be a part of it and try to carry on that tradition. So there's definitely a bond there, but uh, all that's special. And that's a big part of what makes sports so fun. And, and you do, you miss it as a ex-athlete is the, is the locker room, is the, the flights and the jokes and the banter. And, you know, obviously the, the competitiveness side on the ice and those games and the, it's all of it. It, it really is an amazing job and amazing, um, uh, so many neat experiences to travel and as a kid and you grow up and 
Uh, you learn from older guys. It's a lot of cool things, and uh, I was very blessed to get to do it for a long time and uh, still enjoy uh, watching the game and, and being a part of it. And uh, like you said, you know, coaching next year or this year too with the kids, it's, it's been fun to do that too. Jerome McGinley here on Sportsnet 650. And, you know, man, I, I can't even imagine how lucky those kids are going to be that you're taking part and joining them at the, at the Hockey Academy and to be able to learn from you and the experience. And, and I, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who didn't love the way you played the game and, and your sort of core values. But to just change gears here for a second, February is also Black History Month. And, you know, over the last few weeks, we've talked to a, a lot of former players that talked about their own experiences and, you know, Jerome, I, I've talked to a couple of former players, and, and they've they've talked about the idea that one day we're going to see a black general manager in the National Hockey League. And, man, there's so many former players that all say, Jerome is the guy. If he wanted to do that, he'd be the perfect choice. He'd be the ideal candidate. And, you know, Brett Peterson was just named the assistant general manager with the Florida Panthers a few months back. And, you know, we're seeing this progress and, and, and more inclusivity in the game. But, you know, obviously you're committed to the Hockey Academy now. But, man, does the idea of being a general manager in the NHL ever appeal to you one day down the road? <laughs> so that's nice of those, uh, the guys who have said that. Um no, I mean, I love, I love being a part of hockey and, and uh, it's a, like I say, it is an amazing game and um, you know, it is black history month. And I, I think that's a, a very, very important uh, thing. I think it's great for kids to see uh, and black kids to see the accomplishments, um, you know, uh, in sciences and in, in music and in sports and in, in, in the history and, and to have, you know, role models and to see that they can do it. And, and the inclusion is so important. Um, and I think, you know, the NHL, the game to, to, to keep growing and to make, you know, to have it more inclusive and to have more kids be a part of it for, you know, there's the NHL side and the pro side. And I think that's great. And I love to see, you know, Byfield uh, drafted as high as he is. And I'm looking forward to watching him in, in, in L.A. Um, I, you know, when, when I was younger, it was very, very important to me to see black players in the NHL and to know it was possible to see Grant Fear, to see Claude Vilgrain, Tony McKegney, and to be able to, you know, I, I love Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky. I love them too, but it was very important for me to see other black players being successful in the NHL and to help me think that dream is possible. So I think those are things that are very important. Um, as far as being uh, in the game, uh, I've really enjoyed the coaching side. Um, and yeah, I don't know where the, the, the future, you know, I know that those guys put a ton of time in coaches. I know the NHL coaches, man, they, they're there double the amount of time a player is. And as a player here, pretty busy, you know, as far as hockey. So I, I definitely respect what they, what they do and how much goes into it. Um, so I'm just enjoying it now. And, and, uh, um, but I, I do want to be a part of the game and I look forward to, to, like I say, working with the kids and trying to see, see them be successful and help them grow in the game and grow as, as kids and, and people and, uh, be good teammates, um, learn how to, you know, how to, uh, you know, adversity. It's no matter who you are as a player, there's always tough times and, and um, you have tough stretches and coaches don't play you in certain positions that you think you should or or um, you go through losing streaks. So I think it teaches so many lessons. I look forward to being a part of that. But uh, one day, you know, one day I would, you know, it's hard to say what the future holds, but uh um, I definitely uh, love being a part of the game, and, and I think I, you know, hopefully will be uh, in, in some form or another um, uh, for a long time. 
Well, we know the future means you're not just coming to Kelowna for the summer, that you're moving everybody up. Uh, back where I think Jerome, an entire nation, would say, uh, I'm glad he's coming back to this yes! side of the border. Yes! And we wondered if you just wanted to hang in Boston because, man, you're so nice. That means you're going to have to smile 24 hours a day in Canada because everybody knows you. Uh, thanks. You're a tough guy to get a hold of. And it's uh, really appreciative that he gave us this time this morning. Glad everything's great for you. And people will be excited. The Rink Hockey Academy in Kelowna. Jerome McGinley, a coach there next year. Uh, enjoy it, man. It's going to be great. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice talking to you again. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, uh, up in Canada there in the future here. It's, uh, have a great day. Yeah, you get us a good deal on wine in the Okanagan when you get up there, okay? <laughs> I have no connections up there in, in the wine area. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or not many, not many. <laughs> not yet, anyway. It'll, it'll start. It'll start. <laughs> thanks, Iggy. Take care. Hey, Jerome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. There you go. One of the one of the best hockey players of the last yeah. thirty years, Jerome McGinley, joining us here this morning on Sportsnet six fifty. Man, think about those kids that are going to go under the learning tree that is Jerome McGinley. You know, he grew up in the Edmonton area, so was around a lot. Man, you are tough to find someone who's got a negative thing to say about Jerome McGinley. Played it as hard as you could in the game. But, man, you can tell he's smiling just when he's talking all the time. So I'm not big on saying athletes should be role models. But, boy, oh, boy, if uh, if your kids wore number 12 because of Jerome McGinley, that's not a bad role model to have. There you go. Uh, Jerome McGinley joining the Hockey Academy uh, as a coach there uh, and moving back to Canada on this side of the border. I, I don't know, man. As a Canadian, you just got to – yeah, man. Iggy's, Iggy's Yeah, back. you lost Iggy's one. Back. Yeah, <laughs> got, come back. What are you got doing? Got one back. There? Yeah, that's a win. Um, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock. It is game day here on Sportsnet 650 as the Canucks and Oilers, and we'll dive more into that in just a moment. But, you know, hey, look, we're, we're coming up on almost the one-year anniversary uh, of really kind of the world turning upside down uh, with COVID-19. And I'll say this, Pear, one thing that I've started to kind of see more and more over the last few weeks and even the last couple of months are people kind of hitting that what is being described as that pandemic wall. Yeah, it is. You know, we get together Monday morning and say, how was the weekend? And unfortunately, for the most case, like everybody else, you go, it's kind of the, the same. And and the mental game in partnership with our friends um, and our friends at Movember, it's out now. And you heard during our show, a clip of Tyler Mott. I think the great thing is we are seeing so many athletes stepping up and saying, hey, you know what? We all have our challenges. Even us, the pro athletes that you admire, we have some difficulties with, with what we're going through. You know, Tyler Mott has obviously uh, shared his story, and, and some of these stories are out there now that you can check out online. And Tyler Mott, uh, Tyler O'Neill, Gold Glove winner in Maple Ridge Zone. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, Ryan O'Reilly, Stanley Cup champion. You know, Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays pitcher. A uh, lot of great stories out there, and it's just, hey. Um, it's okay to talk about this sort of stuff nowadays and whatever works. I mean, for me personally, it's about taking a moment and making sure I get outside and get active. And for me, that is a big difference maker for my own personal psyche as we've kind of all tried to figure out, you know, I don't think there's a real, you know, playbook to how to execute pair, but everything helps along the way. Yeah. And there's a series from these athletes with the strategies. And, and one of them, James, like you said, and I've been doing it too. You just get outside and you go for a walk. So the mental game in partnership with Movember, watch the full series now at sportsnet.ca slash the mental game. 
Uh, it is game day as the Canucks and Oilers get set to collide later tonight. We'll dive into the matchup next here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day on Sportsnet 650. It's team-wise, I think, and we discussed this week on week, it's, it's just the critical turnovers. Some guys forcing plays that shouldn't be forced. It's just a simple play. Instead, they're trying to do something, and, and that's just trying too hard. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Ah, oh, the old try too hard, right? Yeah. It yeah. is their fault, though. Well, you remember Travis Green when they returned from that um, Toronto road trip. And he just said, man, we make simple plays look really hard right now. And, uh, and they, they've cleaned that up. But, you know, you go back. I mean, JT Miller maybe not hard enough on the puck behind the net. Then Pierre-Luc Dubois got the first. And then the avalanche continues from there. I, it, it's tough. It, it's tough right now between the years for this hockey team. They can look at the game film, see what they did right. But it's those one or two mistakes that will be the difference. And it's tough to go into something and go, you better be perfect today. You can't make a mistake. That's tough to play any game that way. No, uh, and, and it's – look, the results have – the results haven't necessarily been there. The effort's certainly been there in the last two weeks for the Vancouver Canucks as they get ready for the Oilers here tonight. Um, two teams going in different directions, but you know, trying to predict a game or an outcome is a bit of a sucker's bet. Case in point, look at last night, right? Every every trend would have told you that the Leafs would steamroll the Calgary Flames last night, right? And the Flames turn around and no Jacob Markstrom and with a scuffling squad – They shut out the Toronto Maple Leafs that were absolutely flying as David Riddick uh, stepping in for the injured Jacob Markstrom. And there's Matthew Kachuk who's stepping up and everybody's been calling him out. And Sam Bennett, who's on the trade block or wants out, he steps up with a goal. Um, You know, look, the Canucks have had the effort there. It's just they're frail. And sometimes they're good, just isn't good enough, or just something isn't something isn't there, right? You get a great effort from Thatcher Demko Friday night, and you just don't have the offense there to try to help him out. And on Sunday night against the Jets, I think you had a team that was the better team for the most part, but unfortunately, Braden Holpe just wasn't there, right? And a couple of goals that I think Braden Holpe knows he should have had, and there's the difference between the Canucks coming away with two points and the Winnipeg Jets. Um you know, winning that hockey game ultimately as Pierre-Luc Dubois was a huge difference maker in that. But that was, I mean, huge Achilles heel with Braden Holpe on Sunday night. Just he he had an off night, and that killed the team. And you can't afford off nights with this team right now, given how frail they are. Well, you, you, there's three shutouts last night. The, the surprise becomes with Calgary. The Flames, for the first time in Flames, Calgary Flames history, get a shutout in Toronto. The St. Louis Blues dominate a hockey game against the LA Kings and they lose because Jonathan Quick is great and Fleury was great for Las Vegas. It's yeah, James. I don't know. I I can't remember right off the top of my head where you know the the word stole the game is there from a Thatcher Demko and a Brayton Holpe. And I won't be as hard on him. Holpe wasn't good and and took the uh, you know and took the bullet uh, after the game saying you know I need to make the save, especially the second one. But you need a goalie to step up and steal a game. And now that the top six is playing better, you need the bottom six to show up and do a little bit more, create some energy. There always seems to be something, and the fear factor is this Oiler team comes in with a great run over the last three weeks. 
But, you know, the Oilers haven't been the best team and all that. They were outplayed by Winnipeg in the last game that they played, but they were good enough to win. And isn't that the sign of a good hockey team where you're not the best on the ice, but you still won? It seems like the Canucks have to be head and shoulders the best on the ice to get the wins right now. It, it, it's, it's also a sign of a team playing with confidence, right? When you're, sure. when you're playing well, you find ways to win on nights that you're not necessarily the better team. You know, and that's it's the old uh, the old expression, you know, is good teams find ways to win, bad teams find ways to lose. And if you look at what the Canucks trend has been over the last 10 games with just two wins, um, the Canucks are a bad hockey team right now, you know, and they are finding ways to lose rather than finding ways to win. And um, I think sometimes when you try to play, when you play not to, <laughs> when you're playing not to lose as opposed to trying to play to win, that's a dangerous, dangerous game, right? And, and you're setting yourself up for failure. You know, that sort of, you're just waiting for the bottom to fall out. You know, look at the glaring mistakes. You know, the Canucks had, what, maybe three mistakes on Sunday night? Problem is, they're all in the back of the net, right? Yep. It's, it, that's, it's, it's one thing to compensate for some of those mistakes that teams will make over the course of the game. But they're just not getting those. And, you know, two of those, a direct result of turnovers from the lotto line. You know, JT Miller loses one behind his own net with the puck. And there's Pierre-Luc Dubois' first goal as a jet. Then there's Brock Besser along the wall. He loses the puck, stripped by Mark Shifley. Shifley's off to the races, takes a shot and beats Braden Holpe. And that's one that you just, you know, it ties the game at two. And you're going, man, you've got to make that save. You gotta, you gotta make that save in that moment, and that was a brat backbreaker. And I think that team, I think the Canucks collectively right now, like they haven't given up, right? Like the notion of saying, "Hey, Travis Green's not the guy." Um, this team still competes, right? It's not like they've tuned out the coach here. That's not an issue with that. I mean, you no, can, you I can talk about line deployment, but they haven't given up on the coach. The effort is still there. It's just, it's, it's trying to finish though. That's the problem. They need a closer. And, and that's what I found, and it's so difficult because, you know, all you see is Zoom. So if, you, if you're on social media and you're looking, you're seeing almost as much as everybody else is as to what you're getting from these guys. And I just thought kind of in their voice from Petey, from Sutter, after the, the disappointment on Sunday, it's like, you know, we, we did pretty much everything right. We deserved a better result. And when, when that's what your go-to is, and you can't actually argue it, you wonder if the belief is now leaving. Like, my goodness, we can look at the standings. Someone just texts in, hey, look at the standings. I can't believe Edmonton's in second. I've been so focused on what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks. Trust me, the Canucks know where they are in the standings. And the mountain seems to get higher and higher. And as much as you go, well, good on Calgary, man. Mentally, they've been down and they come up and, and get one in Toronto. That's difficult. Well, if you're the Canucks, you're going, really? Now they're starting to win? How are we going to claw back that? The great news is you play every team. I just don't see this team getting on a run. Joey Kenward will call the game again tonight. He had just texted to say, you know, the Canucks lead the league in 22 goalposts or crossbars. So is that bad luck? Yeah. Maybe it's perfection. Just hit the net. Make a goalie. Make the save. Right? Have the goalie have a great save percentage rather than you going, okay, we got another crossbar. But if that belief is there and the effort's there, Todd Bertuzzi said, man, you look at the numbers, it's the second period where it falls apart. They need to play a full 60 minutes. The one thing I'll say about the Oilers, as good as they are, I still don't believe in their goaltending. And at some point, that may be a crutch that they won't be able to, to, uh, to handle. But when you're so good up front and you can score like they can, you can overcome some bad goaltending. They haven't had to do that in the last couple of weeks. 
not a lot of optimism on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Um, no. Here you got uh, Scott in Calgary. Uh, early submission for Canucks and a song tomorrow when the levee breaks with McJesus goals. Yes. So uh, yes. there's a, another one. Uh, you know, Hughes minus 12 today. Hughes minus 15 tomorrow after McDavid and Dreisaitl tonight. Uh, and John also chiming in in Vancouver uh, saying, show me a team that needs a goalie to steal games, and I will show you a non-playoff team grasping at straws. You know, I, w- I will say this, John. Yes, I, I, I understand the logic to that, but there are a lot. There are teams that have success that with goaltenders that are difference makers, right? When, when you have great goaltending, and, and right now the Canucks have a, a collective goaltending save percentage that's below 900 as a team. Like you are going nowhere but downhill when you have goaltending that is just that subpar. Well, and I, I would argue this with John. When you say steal a game, you need a hockey team that needs some momentum. Hey, if you're a bad hockey team and you win games, and the Canucks did it quite a bit in the last couple of years, they stole some hockey games that they didn't deserve to. But this hockey team deserved to win a few more games than they have in the last couple of weeks. So if it's just better goaltending, I don't know if that's stealing the game. If Holpe makes two saves, did he steal the game on Sunday? No. The team in front of him played much better. But sometimes you need that push. You need that momentum. When the guys skating, the five guys out there, the skaters have played well and they don't have a win, I will say that's my definition of stealing a game. Make that save when Shifley comes down so the momentum doesn't switch the other way. Stealing a game means, yeah, you just stopped 55 shots, your team had 20, you stole a game. To me, it's make the saves and keep your team in it because they're playing well, but they need to get over the hump. Uh, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of people uh, sharing some love for the conversation we just had a few minutes ago with uh, Jerome McGinley, by the way. Um, you know, boys, that was awesome. Loved hearing about the Boston news, uh, driving in the snow. Uh, Mike also chiming in as well. The joy of watching him feed Crosby for the winner. That was the best. Uh, you know, there's a guy that y- you look at certain you know, in terms of a prototype player that you would love. And look, I think there's a lot of Canucks fans that might say, you know what, screw Iggy, man. He was he was the, the face of the enemy with the Calgary Flames and, and certainly did in the Canucks several times over the course of his career. But, man, a guy you would have just loved to have on your team, right? I mean, could score goals, could fight, could skate, could hit, team player, and just like a smile that lit up a room. I mean, just check the boxes on everything you would want as a teammate, as a leader. Um, and you look at what the, I mean. Look at that 2004 team that got to Game Seven of a Stanley Cup against the Lightning. Pair like it was essentially a bunch of lunch buckets and a hot goaltender and Iggy. Right, like outside of Iggy up front, there wasn't a whole lot there. It was Jerome McGinley and Mika Kiprasov. It was essentially two players that took that team to Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final in 04. You know, it's funny. We were talking about the Nashville Predators and some of the trades they made and did they get it wrong. Well, how about that? You know, Jerome McGinley traded from Calgary to Dallas, you know, to uh, uh, from Dallas to Calgary in the sense that, okay, it, you're going to make that deal deal worked out because the Flames get themselves a championship with Joe Newendike, but it's the moves you make, right, um, that, that sometimes work out. And Jerome McGinley is a hockey player. I didn't want to ask him because we always like to, you know, with Burt and Tag and, 
And, you know, Jovo kid plays, but Jerome's got a daughter playing. He's got the two sons playing. Are they as good as, as dad? It's so difficult because Jerome just had the perfect skill set. He was the prototypical Western Hockey League player, right? That you hoped and you you sit and think, boy, there was Jake Vertan and he could have been that guy. And you wait and, you know, we're asking, is, you know, Zach McEwen, can he be that guy? Jerome McGidlin fits in any hockey team and the pure joy of how he played the game. And the guy played with a smile. He lives with a smile. And then there's the passion that you need uh, and to pull the rope and say, hey, follow me, man. I'll lead by example and do that. I'm, I'm glad. Like, honestly, we've talked about Jerome before going, wow, what's he doing living in Boston? Does he just not want any attention? Why wouldn't he be coming back to Calgary or somewhere in Kelowna? Hey, it's great news. And for people with young kids and are thinking about hockey academies, now you've got a new option in Kelowna, where Ginla will be there teaching the 14 and 50 year olds starting next year, coaching them. Uh, that's just a win for BC hockey. All right, some final thoughts before we turn things over. Don't forget pregame show 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop at 7. Uh, we'll look ahead to tonight's action and much, much more here on your home of the Canucks. A reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of our friends at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Back with more in a moment here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. And you know what love can I think this year, really, I mean, if we if we go home without without a trophy, that'll be disappointing. We're going to win a World Series here. We're going to be a part of it, and I think we're ready to put it all together and, and, and to go show who we are. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Bo Bichette and Alex McGowan talking World Series. Talking championship already. Bringing a title Does back that mean does, does that mean Balak has moved on? I don't Listen, they'll have a great year, and they won't be able to bring it back to Canada. Wouldn't that be awesome? You get to the World Series by by October, everything's good. People are packed. Hey, that'll be a fun baseball team to watch. No question about well, it. Well, let me ask you this. What's more likely to happen sooner? A Canadian team winning a Stanley Cup, a World Series, or an NBA championship again? Uh... Well, see, that's a good question. I honestly think the Jays could win it in the next couple of years. World I mean, Series. Gonna have a... I say World Series. You think? You're going World Series. I, you know what? I'll go, I'll, I'll go with strength in numbers. I'll say a Canadian team will win the Stanley Cup just because you've got, well, you've you got get seven odds, more right? chances. I've got, you've got seven more chances than, than a Blue Jays team that's been, what, almost 30 years. But I like your Well, and you get, you, get, you get to a semifinal. You know what will be, right? You win the Canadian division, you're in a Final Four. You know what will be interesting is – I mean, we get so caught up in it, right? You know everything about the Canadian teams and how good we think the North Division is. Like, is it, right? I mean, I watched a little bit of Colorado-Las Vegas last night. That's great hockey. You just wonder how different it is. Pierre-Luc Dubois spoke about it in the few games he played with Winnipeg. He goes, no, it's different. It's different playing up. It's a different style of hockey and what they're playing here. So that'll be interesting to see. Whoever the Canadian team that comes out, what do you like against those who've been battling, you know, south of the border? How different is the hockey? And I'm going to say Stanley Cup back in Canada before we see a World Series. There you go. There you go. Yeah, agree Agree with me. That's always a smart decision there, Pear. So uh, what do you like tonight in the ice? Oh, gosh, I had a bad I had a bad day yesterday. I just didn't see that. I, just, I got suckered in like everybody else. Calgary, yeah. there's no Markstrom. Okay, uh, they're going to light them up. They're going to score nine, take the over, do all that. Uh, I'm going to go with what we had. At 6 o'clock, we had uh, Renaud Lavoie, uh, who was in Ottawa with the Montreal Canadiens. He travels with the team. Shea Weber spoke yesterday about the Canadians and how poorly they've played and the negativity in their dressing room. 
Hey, they've got Ottawa. I like the gumption of the Ottawa Senators, but the Montreal Canadiens have been on a little bit of a free fall, and they're a good hockey team. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as we saw, but they're better than what they've played in the last two weeks. I'm going to take the Montreal Canadiens. Not going to get a lot of money for it, but I'll put a lot on them that they're going to get the win tonight against the Senators. Uh, all right, so you're going to go with the Habs. Uh, give me the uh, give me the Devils to get it done against the Sabres. Buffalo's still having a hard time to uh, score goals. Devils at home tonight, so I'll take uh, I'll take New Jersey to take care of Buffalo and uh, a little bonus. I don't I, I don't love it, but I would say uh, I'll take the under with the uh, Canucks and the Oilers tonight. I'll take the under. Really? You're just six, going against it all. Set at six and a half. You know what? I, I would say this. Um, you know, Mike Smith might be back in goal tonight, who has been on fire. Um, let's see if Thatcher Demko can carry that over. I'm basing this on a goaltending matchup that hasn't been decided yet, but I'm basing it on Demko and Smith. So there's my method to the madness. We always play Canucks in a song. Um, someone sending in a Canucks pregame song. Just give me something to believe in. And I do think that's kind of the mindset of the fan base. After a big weekend against Winnipeg, you, you need to see something against a juggernaut. But listen, the Oilers have been leaky for a long time. Have they fixed it all? Possibly. We'll see. Our poll question, final answer was, uh, you know, do the Canucks need more speed or toughness? Um, 58% of you say they need more speed on this team. Toughness, not necessarily. 42% think that. Uh, well, we'll see, though. I would expect Zach McEwen in the lineup. We won't know what kind of lineup changes are made. But, hey, he did what he was asked to do. And considering what else you're getting from a Roussel, from a Jake Vertanen, give me Zach McEwen in that lineup. See if he can give me some a little bit of energy. And if there is an issue for it, you've got him on the bench. We got to get out of here. The Scott Ritual Show, ready to spit some hot fire on the mic coming your way at the top of the clock. We're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow, breaking down the Canucks and the Oilers. A reminder that the starting lineup is a presentation of our good friends here at Surrey Honda. Visit Nasir and the gang at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. And you'll find us back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.